Hello and welcome to Starkcast. I am Joe Stark, and today I'm sitting down with my friend James Hesslinger, and uh, we're going to be talking about the show Troll Hunters on Netflix. And uh, this is a really timely episode for Troll Hunters because it came out last October. <laughs> so we're really striking when the iron is hot here. And uh, <laughs> and uh, you'll hear me refer to James throughout the episode as Dub. Everyone calls him Dub, so we're going to go with that. How you doing, I've been Dave? called worse. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing this morning, man? Good. Good, good, man. Um, and uh, we lucked out. We're doing this recording over at uh, in Dub's kitchen, and uh, his family's out for the day. And you might you might hear some barking from his dogs, but you know what's new? Dogs are gonna bark. I can put them out if I need. <laughs> Not down, just out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's no sweat. Uh, so yeah, Troll Hunters, man. So you just finished watching it again this morning. I finished the last episode as you're getting to my door, so it's fresh <laughs> in my mind. Awesome. And uh, I originally picked up this show because my wife was playing it for my kids. And if I'm going to be totally honest, when I saw the, the, the promo pictures and stuff for it with uh, Jim in his, his knight of or his uh, suit of armor and he's holding the big sword uh, up and he's standing next to the trolls, I was kind of like, wow, that, that really looks like a little kid show and I'm probably not going to watch it. But, you know, of course, if it's on in my living room and I walk through the living room, I'm going to stare at the TV and eventually it sucked me in. And I found out that I was pretty wrong to to judge it that way at first because, um, you know, occasionally your kids will be watching a show and you're going to get sucked into it. And every once in a while, you'll find a real, you know, a real gem yep. in there. And, and throughout the years, I've gotten drawn into a handful of their shows. And this was definitely one of them. And they liked it enough that I think we've watched the whole season maybe seven or eight times. Oh, wow. Like, it's crazy. There was a lot. They've, they've moved on to Lego Ninjago now, yep. which sucks ass compared to Troll Hunters. Yep. So I wish they were still on Troll Hunters. <laughs> but um, uh, it's great. And uh, if you didn't know, uh, Troll Hunters is based off a book written by Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. So, you know, if you're a fan of his movies. I, I think the first one of his I saw was Pan's Labyrinth. Mm. Did you see that? I don't I th I don't think I have seen that one. It was it was fucking trippy. Like that movie it took place uh like World War 1 or World War 2 and I think it was in Spain cuz the whole movie is in subtitles so you got to read it. But okay. it's like this little girl starts escaping to like this fantasy world and while she's there. I mean it's fucked up shit. It's like a tool video or something. Right, know? right. Like it's really really disturbing and dark and all the creatures there are weird and like you can see that in Troll Hunters. I don't know directly if Guillermo del Toro had anything to do with the character design on this or if the people that did the character design were just kind of basing it off the visuals from his movies, but I mean it's cool because like the evil trolls in this, the gum gums, like they are fucking freaky looking. Yeah, the changelings and uh, the goblins are spider-esque and pretty creepy. I could see how it could scare kids easily. But it was just entertaining for throughout the whole season. It'll be interesting to see if they have a second one. Yeah, yeah. And we'll definitely get into that and, and the tragic reasons behind that. But yeah. um, a, a synopsis would be, um, beneath the fictional town of Arcadia lives a secret civilization of trolls, which humans are oblivious to. The trolls' common enemy are the Gum-Gums, evil trolls from the Darklands, whom the trolls' chosen warrior, known as the Troll Hunter, is supposed to protect them from, among other dark miscreants. So, 
this show starts off basically with the origin of how this 15-year-old boy, James Jim Lake Jr., <clears throat> finds this, this amulet, which turns him into the troll hunter. And so as the first, um, as the pilot episode opens up, you're seeing the current troll hunter battling this big, scary, badass looking troll. Right. And uh, you come to find out this troll is Bular, and he's basically kind of the leader of the gum gums that are on Earth, more or less. But he reports ultimately to his father, Gunmar, who is trapped in the Darklands, which is like a parallel dimension where there's no sunlight and it's it's a pretty evil fucked up place. And as the show goes on, you come to find out the the mythology of the trolls and that thousands of years ago, Gunmar had gone on a rampage and led the gum gums against the trolls and humans as well. And they were basically running around eating humans, trying to take over the world. Yeah. And it, and you, also trolls can't be in the sun. Yeah. They turn into stone. So that gives some downtime for humans or the troll hunter. Now, Jim, the first human troll hunter to uh, plan out things when they can't do anything to them. Yeah, very vampire hunter-esque in right. that, in that he really needs to operate at night or in the shadows or underground during the day. Yes. Or even even in his home, they can show themselves in the day. Yeah, just so long as they're not in sunlight. Like, Direct if they're in the sun, shadow yeah. and, you know, there's there's plenty of scenes where you'll see a troll, and it's even in that first opening scene. Yeah, battling with, under um, the bridge. Yeah, the, the former troll hunter, uh, Kanjigar, is fighting Bular under the bridge, and, you know, he gets a little bit of his hand or his head forced into the sunlight. Yep. You can see it burn him. And turn it into stone. Yeah, right it turns there, him yeah. to stone. Yeah. And uh, that opening fight is fantastic. And it really shows you how good the animation is in this. Yep. For for a Netflix show. And, you know, there, I do have some gripes about some of the animation stuff. But, you know, I'll get into that later. But right now to sing its praises, I mean, it looks really, really good. And even in that first scene, fight scene... You can really see that it's just a little more serious than Scooby-Doo, or I guess kids don't watch that anymore. <laughs> Whatever, you know, <laughs> it's just a little more serious content. Uh-huh. Just in the fight scene alone, there it gets kind of, you know, there's death in the first scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it, when, when it gets down to it, I mean... We know this show is about a a human troll hunter and, and his journey and becoming. So right away, when you're seeing a current troll hunter in the opening scene, you know he's going to be toast. Yeah. Because otherwise, you got no plot. Right. You know. <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, he um he gets to the point where Kanjigar realizes that he is going to die. Bular is going to kill him, and not only is he going to kill him, but he's going to take the amulet. Yep. Now the troll hunter has an amulet that um kind of activates the the magical armor and sword that comes up around him. Yep. And if that amulet falls into the hands of the gum gums, that's not good because then not only do the good trolls have their protector, but now the the gum gums have got a very powerful, you know, magical totem that they can use for, you know, any one of their evil schemes. Chief mo- uh, chief among those schemes is actually bringing um uh, Gunmar back from the Darklands. Yep. And uh, if they're able to open up this gateway and bring him here, it will be very bad. Be like, you know, end of the world, evil trolls running around, 
like humans dead lots of humans dead (laughs) so you know very much an apocalypse i imagine enslaved yeah yeah many other things (laughs) um oh my gosh and when you mentioned uh scooby-doo a minute ago and you know do kids still watch that Uh, i read a lot of comics yep and one of the awesome things about reading comics is that there's lots of full page ads that'll basically just be like a cover of an upcoming magazine and so I've seen a handful for this new Scooby-Doo book <laughs> that's being written. And the art on it looks really good. But of course, they like updated the look on all the characters. Yeah. And they made Shaggy a fucking hipster. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what What are the new people writing this saying? Are they like, okay, well, he used to be like the stoner beatnik. Now let's make him a, a fucking hipster with this big fucking beehive of a beard and a curly fucking mustache. And it's blue. <laughs> I, th- I, think it, I think it was like orange or yeah. something like that. But I don't know. I don't know. Uh, That's ridiculous. I'm judging a book by its cover there. But yeah, it's like, but what God. does Daphne and Velma look like? Uh, I, to tell you the truth, every time I see that ad, I'm just like, what the fuck is this hipster shaggy? Yeah. No. <laughs> but, okay, back to Troll Hunters. <laughs> and... um. So yeah, that that first episode is actually split into two parts between episodes one and two. And so what happens is that fight that uh, Kanjigar loses, when he sees that it's going to happen and he knows he needs to keep the amulet out of Kanjigar's hands, he just falls backwards into the sunlight. And so this fight is going on in the, like, the, the girder structure underneath a bridge. So it's happening in the morning and... Uh, they have to stay within the shadows of the bridge. And so when, in order to keep the amulet out of uh, Bular's hands, he actually just falls backwards into the sun. So that Bular can't go and retrieve it. Yeah. And hopefully there will be a, a potential troll hunter to find the amulet before the next night falls. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And um, it's a really cool scene because as he falls from the bottom of this bridge, he's got a little ways to go before he's going to hit the ground. And in that amount of time, he turns completely to stone. So when he hits the ground, he just shatters. Yep. <laughs> and then the amulet is the only thing that hasn't turned and shattered. And it's just right on top, like glowing blue. And the thing's fucking cool looking too. It yep. looks like a weird pocket watch. Where like it, oversized pocket watch. Yeah. Yeah. With like this pulsating blue light in it. And it's got little hands that turn on it like a, like a traditional analog clock. Yep. And uh, it's, it's a cool bit of animation. And really the lore that they came up with this is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, what, what is the, by the glory of Merlin, daylight is mine to command. Yep. Those and, are the words that have to be spoken to. Um, and then boom, he floats up armor miraculously floats down onto him it's badass he gets his sword and it's a big fucking buster sword too like what cloud had in uh final fantasy 7 yeah it's it's very reminiscent of that very badass looking for some kids show that i'm watching on my own time (laughs) (laughs) i mean and and it is a kid's show. I mean, it's rated like you know youth seven and up or something like that but i mean quite honestly some of the scenes of violence in it, even though it's cartoons, it's really fucking dark. Yeah. Even even just the amount of killing. Yeah. Oh, on. there's a lot of death. I mean, it's not bloody and gory stuff. Their trolls are basically stone, so there's not a lot of blood. But there's a lot of... There's a lot of threat of death to yeah, humans. That, yeah. And there's a lot of very narrow escapes. I mean, I'd imagine... I mean, I my youngest son watched this... 
and like obsessively. He's six, and I don't recall him having any nightmares or anything right. from it. But I know there were definitely parts of it that kind of made him hesitant. And because you got some of these really scary looking big evil trolls, and they're threatening yep. to freaking eat the main character. I mean, Bular's telling Jim that he wants him to be terrified when he kills him because it's going to make his taste or his flesh taste so much better. Right. That's <laughs> fucked up fucking senses to be reverberating around inside the skull of a little kid. Right. Yeah, it's it is uh like and later on with uh Anger Rot, mm-hmm. he's freaky looking too. Oh yeah, yeah, in, in a totally different way. Yep. They're two very they're two extremely menacing, threatening characters, but in very, very different ways. And and really, between those two um, you know, antagonists of Jim, they're uh it almost feels like this is um I believe it was twenty six episodes. Yes. And it's almost they, two seasons. Exactly. That's yeah. what I was just going to say. Yep. Is that it feels like they could have made this as two 13-episode seasons. Yeah, definitely. Or or also, I know sometimes with these really long shows, they write it in a way that is, um, you know, because like regular network television will have like a mid-season break. Yep. And so usually there'll be like a little, you know, a, a finale or cliffhanger leading up into the you know, even maybe some sort of resolution if you're lucky, if you're not watching a show like Lost. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but um uh yeah, I mean it, it there's a definite break that happens right in the middle of it. You know, you're 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 watching the show and all of a sudden I thought I was at the end of the show. Uh, that's what it, I forgot. That's what it feels like yeah. because they're, they, it wraps up some major fucking plot points yep. that have been going on. And there's still an overarching one that happens behind everything. And then they've got like these two mini plots that'll take place back to back. Right. But they're not really that many. Yeah. When it comes to. And, and I, I you know, there's really no way we're going to be able to talk about this full season one right. without at least telling you what happened. So, I mean, yeah. we are going to spoil the shit out of this show. I, and I'm sure not that many people care. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What's maybe, fun- maybe somebody, will, maybe we'll get like three viewers. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be great. And, and what's funny is the reason that, that Dub and I are talking about this is that out of everybody I know and everybody I talk about pop culture stuff with, you're the only person that's actually watched Troll yeah. Hunters. <laughs> and I watched it because you're like, you came to work one day and you're like, Dub, have you seen this Troll Hunters show? You got to check it out. And I ended up checking it out. <laughs> it, it was pretty good, but um, I mean, yeah, I, good enough that I've been okay with it being on on my televisions, you know, since yeah. December nonstop. I, well, if I told you some of the shows that I find entertaining that I have two girls, so they're a little different speed than what two boys would watch. And, oh, My Babysitter's a Vampire. Is, yeah, I've never heard of that one. Is one that that I just I started watching, and you know, it's you know got the setup nerdy kids that are trying to hook up with the hot vampire, and you just start all of a sudden you're like four episodes in, you're rooting for this nerdy kid, like oh go man, hook up with the girl before she eats you. <laughs> Nobody will ever watch that show, but. <laughs> Just when when the kids are watching what they're watching, sometimes you do get sucked into what what's on. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so yeah, in that in that first scene, um, this is this will be an interesting episode for me also because I'm not used to doing things like this where I'm trying to talk 
about something in such an organized way. Right. I'm used to just like, there's a tangent. Let's see where that goes. Let's see where that <laughs> tangent goes. And then before you know it, we're not talking about anything like what we were. So yeah, forgive me on that when I wander around. No, bit, please folks, do. I, I, I feel like I, as a guest of Startcast, I'm... Shoot, everybody has seemed to have some sort of specialty that's been on before, and I'm just i i carry nuts and bolts from one place to another that's what i do <laughs> but uh, well you know and so i'd say that there's definitely some episodes where you know it was structured like that first one where i had james on yeah you know we were you know it was definitely on my agenda that you know dude we've got to talk about space yeah and you know and then but I'd say like uh, the episode with like David Isaac, you know, we just bullshitted about pop culture stuff, and then it was kind of cool that it took that serious turn, you know, on the religious stuff. Yep, yeah. But um, um. So anyway, troll hunters. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Kanjagar fell off the bridge. The amulet was kept out of Bular's hands, and then it switches over, and we see we see our main character Jim getting ready for school in the morning. He wakes up, and uh, he's got. A pretty full morning. This kid might be 15, but he's getting ready like an adult. Yep. He's he's waking up to an alarm. He's he's making breakfast for his for, mom. He, he's passed out in bed. She's a, a she's doctor a doctor on call. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, he's he's a single child, and she is a single mother. And he does a lot. You can tell to take care of his mom. So even though he's 15, he's very grown up. And uh, he's got gourmet lunches made for him and his uh, mom and Token his fat friend at school. <laughs> his friend Toby, yeah. Toby, who is who is he's he's portly. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, they're they they meet up. They're riding their bus or their bikes to school, and they realize they're about to be late. And so Jim says, "Well, let's cut down through the canal. It's fast." And so they cut down into the canal, and of course, the canal, that's where the bridge was. Yep. And as Jim is riding his bike past this pile of rubble, he hears the amulet speak his name. Jim. Yeah. <laughs> and so he goes over to check it out, and he's like, what the hell is this thing? Puts it in his pocket, just goes on like it's nothing. And then in a drain pipe in the background, you see that Jim was being watched yep. while he picked this up. And you can definitely assume it's a troll because he's got like six eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he seems happily surprised that the amulet chose a human. Yeah. And so right away we're saying, okay. And it's not uh Bul Bul uh Bulan. Bular. Yeah, Bular, it wasn't yeah. Bular that was watching. Yeah. Bular just had two eyes. Yes. Yep. And uh so we got a, a uh, we're introduced to another troll, just you know, vaguely. And then um so as his school day goes on. He's talking with Toby and, you know, he's saying a lot of the token stuff like, you know, oh, I just need more adventure in my life yeah, and stuff, you know. Yeah. And so there are this the show really switches back and forth between feeling like a kid's show and having very adult themes. So yep. it's it's kind of, it, it's enough to it was enough to interest me. Yeah. To get <laughs> and, you started. Yeah. And if you like this sort of stuff, it's definitely worth giving it a shot. But um, but yeah, there, there are token moments like that yeah. in the plot where. And and that's definitely one of them. You know, he's like, oh, I just need more adventure in my life. And it's like, ah, well, what do you got in your backpack yep. there, Jim? That's your <laughs> ticket to adventure. Yep. <laughs> What's around the corner? Yeah. And so uh, once he ends up discovering this amulet, um, he's home alone. His mom works nights. And there's a knocking on his door. And in walks 
the the troll that we had seen earlier in the pipe with with all the eyes um and this is uh blinky yep and blinky's awesome he is voiced by kelsey Grammer, and so right away you're gonna love this guy's voice yeah and he kelsey Grammer does this excellent take with blinky too where he's he's very educated and he's very proper in the way he talks and mm. he, he calls jim master jim he's like master jim yeah <laughs> <clears throat> and i it's worth noting uh the troll hunter what is voiced by anton yelkin we hadn't that's right that up yet and uh that is also where we're going to get into um you know some of the 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 sad reason that we might not see a second season of this because anton yelkin you know as as you may or may not know he was tragically killed in a in a car accident yeah Ax- car accident i yeah i guess that's what you say. could call yeah. it i mean it basically just his car rolled and pinned him against the fe- uh his privacy fence or something yeah is how i understood it yeah it's definitely a freak accident yeah. happened right near the end of 2016 i believe mm-hmm. and um you know even the 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 shows have a dedication to anton in it too yeah yeah, so that it had happened before it was released on Netflix. And for multiple reasons, that's a huge loss. I mean, that's Chekhov. So Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so we you know, we, we lost him in in Star Trek where he was definitely probably more, more well known, but yep. um you know, just between hearing his voice in the voiceover work as Jim and then hearing the accent he put on his Chekhov. <laughs> and and I've heard that he's been really excellent in a lot of his other roles too, or you know he was very good in a lot of them. So you know that, it's always sad to see a talented, talented young actor go. Yeah, yeah. And as far as the future of Troll Hunters, it it does put it up in the air, and it it's definitely left open for a lot more adventure. So it would be too bad if there's not any more episodes that come out. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean the 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 show ends on a big cliffhanger. Yeah, and I mean something really huge happens, and and ah, uh, it, it's it sucks. You get to that last episode, you almost don't want to watch that last three minutes. Yeah, it's like you want to just shut it off where it wraps where it wraps up the initial plot line. Yep, <laughs> before it, it leads into that next season. In the next season, what is what will be covering like the underlying plot line that happens throughout this whole first season. Oh, and that last scene too with uh, the armor. It's typically the chrome <laughs> with blue ax- highlighted, lighted up accents. <laughs> yeah, we're really jumping this, ahead. I know. <laughs> but that, that is the one I just saw the black chrome with the red. Uh, it's oh, yeah. Badass. Sorry. <laughs> no, they tease you with some really sweet stuff that is about to happen in season two. And yeah. Then, yeah. So I'm I'm really hoping that they're able to figure something out and and you know maybe we'll be able to see this go forward. But mm-hmm. it, as far as season one goes, though, he um. So Blinky walks in the kitchen, yep. and Jim is like, "What the fuck?" And you know he's freaking out. Is Arg there? And yes, this is Arg. where we meet Arg. Okay. Also, yeah. now Blinky's got a friend of his that hangs out with him, and his name's Arg. Yep. <laughs> Giant, slow. He is huge. He yep. is huge, and he's very threatening looking. But a pacifist. He is a pacifist, <laughs> and he's always got a smile on his face, <laughs> and um, he has a, a very simple way of speaking, and so he's a polar opposite of the way that Blinky talks. Blinky is so refined. 
and you know Argy's got this this very low gravelly voice and he speaks in in simple words yeah and but he's always got a smile on his face and and as the show progresses uh he strikes up a really excellent friendship with Toby yeah that becomes this like kind of secondary plot that's going on watching yep. the the friendship between wingman. Toby yeah yeah yeah, Toby refers to him as his wingman, and they're always doing, uh, you know, bumping knuckles and yeah. stuff like that. It's fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot of secondary. <laughs> and jumping ahead stories. a little bit, that first time that, that Arg and Toby are together, and Toby's, you know, Toby being the token fat kid, he's constantly coming up with schemes to try and lose weight. And so one of them is he's got a Fitbit, <laughs> a Fitbit type thing. It's like a fitness tracker, basically. And so they're on this stakeout and he's supposed to be standing still, but the the app he's using rewards him for the amount of points he gets through exercise. And so he can't just sit still on the stakeout. And he's like running in place and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and he refers to something as being strange while he's doing it. And Arg looks at him and goes, you are strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Just Arg is so awesome. I remember turning to my wife several times going, I want an Arg. <laughs> I want an Arg that I can hang out with. This guy would be so much fun. In <laughs> protects you. If yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's so big that he's when he tries giant. to walk through normal human doors into a house, it's like hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And then knock they, on they the switch door. scenes. Next thing you know, he's in the house. Like, how the hell did he fit through there? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, because basically they're made of stone. Like, yeah. like if you see two trolls like bump knuckles, it's a sound effect of like two rocks clicking together. And some pebbles might fly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty cool. But um, and so uh, Blinky once Jim actually calms down. <laughs> And Blinky's able to talk to him. He tells him what the amulet means. He tells him that he's the troll hunter. And basically, he lays a lot of information down on him. And so, Jim kind of, he's able to just kind of get away from giving them an answer. And then he tells Toby the next day. And Toby kind of breaks it down to him. He's like, you know, you were saying you wanted an adventure. And this this is probably what you were meant to do. Yeah. And... And there was somehow that, that Toby was involved in that also because they 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 worked together talking with Blinky and said, you know, hey, give him give him twenty four hours to make yeah, up his mind or sleep whatever. On it. Yeah. And then so eventually Jim decides, yeah, this is what I'm gonna do. And then they get taken down to Troll Market for the first time. Now Troll Market is the big city that is underneath Arcadia where the trolls live. And no human has ever stepped foot in a troll market. That's right. And yeah. so that first time he walks in, it makes a big controversy. Everybody's all up in arms, all the trolls. Uh, there's a human, two humans, because he brings Toby everywhere. Yep. And they have no idea what to think. And Blinky lets everybody know that the new troll hunter is a human. Yep. And so nobody trusts them. And one Troll in particular is really pissed about this. Uh, that would be... That would be Drawl. Who is the son... Of Kanjigar. Who is the previous troll hunter. So he's been training his whole life to be the next troll hunter. And he just found out that it was given to a flesh bag human. Yeah. <laughs> child. Flesh bag human child at that. Yeah. And so then he he offers to help Jim train. 
Sort of. But I mean, <laughs> just the look on his face when he's saying it, you're like, oh, this is not going to go well. Right. He's just using this as an excuse to embarrass you. Or kill. Yeah. And so Jim is is um, training. And in the place that they, they train at in, in this show is really cool. It's called the Heroes Forge. Mm-hmm. And it's like this big arena looking area. And it has the statues of every previous troll hunter like up on pedestals, like going around the circular arena. So they're like, basically you're training in front of the dead bodies of the previous troll hunters, because when a troll dies, it turns to stone. And even if it gets shattered, you know, they'll basically, someone will come pick up all the pieces and glue you back together, basically. To put you in the forge. Yes, that's right. And it's as far as being an arena, there's no seats and stuff. It's, yeah, it's there's like, like these weird cavern. upper tiers where people can like look yeah. through windows to watch or kind of off of balconies. But it's, but it's deep it's, in a cavern underneath yeah, the, the it, earth. Exactly. So it's not like the Colosseum or anything, right. but it's like this big, you know, open area underground. And then it's got this crazy mechanism that'll work in it too, where it'll lift the floor up and like into all these different sub levels and they'll turn and go into different configurations and everything. Yeah, giant band. Uh, Axe blades swinging down from the side. Yeah, it's fucking sweet looking. And so Jim's in there training with with Blinky. And Blinky's – you come to find out that Blinky had trained a previous um, troll hunter (laughs) that lasted less than a day before he was killed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so not only is Jim being this first human troll hunter, but like – None of the trolls even respect the guy that's it's about that's, to train him. That's about to train him. The and only person that is willing to train him. That is right. And um, you come to find out that kind of the leader of these trolls in Troll Market is this really ancient, really cool looking troll named Vendel. Yep. And he's weird looking. He almost uh, he's reminiscent of like a classic like demon design where it looks like he has like hairy goat legs. Yep. And then he's got this big muscly upper body, and then he's got these big crazy goat horns going off yeah. his head, and like a big beard. And you can tell just looking at him that he looks really, really, really old. Yep. And he's a good guy. He's a good guy, but he does not like Jim. <laughs> no. And so when Drawl shows up in the Hero's Forge and says, well, let me give you some tips and let's have a little sparring session here, and Blinky tries to get him out of it, Vendel right away steps in and says, no, I want to see... Just what this human troll hunter yeah. can do, who's had all of 10 minutes of training. Right. He can barely pick up this big ass sword. Yep. And then Drawl goes full on fucking troll. I mean, they call him Drawl the Destroyer. Yeah. And he goes full on destroyer on Jim. And his character design is sweet. He's just this big hulking brute of a troll. And he's got, he has what looks like a spiky turtle shell of sorts on his back. Yeah. And he's got all these spikes coming off his head. And he's got these. Big, huge arms and just fists that are bigger than Jim's Big head. ring in his nose. Yeah, big old ring in his nose. Yep. And uh, one of his ways of attack is that he can kind of roll himself into a ball. So it's like a giant Sonic the Hedgehog looking yeah. thing. That The sound effects they have going with it when it's rolling at Jim. I mean, I can only imagine how awesome this would sound on like a big surround sound system. Yeah. Yeah. It would. It. He's menacing. Yeah, extremely. Yeah. And and he takes Jim out really fast and just embarrasses the shit out of him. And all around the Hero's Forge is uh, just like a moat of nothingness. Yeah. That if, if Jim If you falls, fall off the edge, you're dead. Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> and he almost falls off once or twice. Yeah. Hanging there. Yeah. And so uh, Drawl really makes him look like a bitch. 
Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> uh, and so Jim is not feeling too good about this. And uh, he goes and and Blinky's trying to give him this pep talk yep. and saying, you know, if you'd have just landed one hit, it would have changed everything. And Jim's saying, I've never even been in a fight, period. Yep. You know, this this obviously isn't for me. How am I going to- how am I going to? Yeah, how am I going to take on Bular if I can't even, you know, beat Drawl? And, you know, nobody here wants me to do it. I don't even believe in myself. Yep. Well, and then there's another plot that's going on outside of his activities with the trolls, and that's him just being a high school student. Right. And in, in that first episode, in one of the scenes in, in the school, him and Toby are walking along, and you see the token bully kid, the token bully jock kid yep. that has taken the token dork kid and stuffed him into a locker, and he's making him say shit through the locker before he's going to let him out, and Toby's like, just keep walking, let's ignore this, and Jim says, no, I'm not gonna. And so even though Jim's never been in a fight, and he's not a tough guy, he's a, he's a skinny, average kid. Yep, you know? dorky kid. He goes and he stands up to Steve, and he says, how about you let him out? Yeah. And... Steve threatens to punch Jim in the face and Jim's like, then do it. Just hit me then. Go crazy. But know that, you know, 10 years from now, you're going to be working for Eli. You yeah. Know, and he's going to have and, the money and you're going to be a peon. Yeah. You're going to be, you know, you you will have peaked in high school. Yep. And I mean, basically, and by this time, there's a huge crowd gathered around. So Jim, he attacked Steve's ego. And so Steve's standing there going, well, I need to do something about this. And he's about to punch Jim and then. You know, it gets interrupted by a teacher, and then Steve tells him, you Friday know, at noon. Friday at noon, TikTok. Yeah. You know, and so then and as Steve, this Steve's like he he's like typical jock bully, like 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 Flash and in, uh in Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, totally. Like r- just like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's lots of cliche characters yep. in this show. Yeah. <laughs> but um and so as this is progressing on, eventually this fight comes up and Jim's had enough and Steve is, he's trying to get out of the fight. He's trying to talk his way out of it. And Steve's, you know, saying, oh, you're going to have to get down on your knees and beg for it. And everybody in the school's watching. And then Steve really fucks up and he talks shit on Jim's mom. Yeah. And so he says something like some jab, like, oh, it's a good thing your mom's a nurse. And yeah. finally, that's the point where Jim's like, I'm not taking this. And you see his, you know, he has that George McFly moment. Yep. <laughs> where he clenches up his fist. fist. Yep, yep. And then boom, he knocks the fucking bully and like hits him. It's it's different from when George McFly hits hits Biff. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's been Biff gets spun. Well, Steve gets fully picked up off the ground yep. and flies back. Like it's like when Tooth Brad Pitt gets hit in the end of Snatch. Snatch yeah. Goes into that <laughs> pool of water. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that. Only Steve's not coming back up to deliver a you know a jaw breaking haymaker. He's down. Yeah. His his perfect little smile is now fucked up because yep. Jim hit him so hard it knocked a tooth out. Yeah. <laughs> And so then Jim, now, now he, you know, he's a big swinging dick now. It's hitting low thigh. And (laughs) he's proud of himself. All the while, he's, (laughs) he's, he's fawning over this. He is. Girl. Yeah. We're introduced to Claire, which is a girl that he's got a huge crush on. And she watched all this go down. Catching her eye. Yeah. And so he's all proud of himself now. And he goes running down to Troll Market and he finds Drawl in a bar. And basically spins him around in the bar stool yep. and, you know, proverbially slaps him across the face with the glove and says, you name the time and place, it's on. Yeah. And so then it shows Blinky and Arg in the background and, and 
and they say something to the effect of Jim got his one hit. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, we didn't see it go down, but there's been, he got a hit in and the now he's come. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. he was telling him earlier, you just get one hit in and it's going to change everything. You're going to believe in yourself that you can stand up for yourself, that yeah. you do have this strength inside. Cause the amulet would not, the amulet's magical. It chose him because it saw in him that he was going to be a great troll hunter. But it doesn't just make him. No, it won't just make him. All it's going to do is give him a suit of armor, give him a little bit of extra strength and speed and agility because I can, and like, I don't know if it expressly says that, that the, the, the amulet gives him the extra strength. Strength and agility. Yeah. But I'm just taking that on that, you know, when, when somebody huge, a huge troll like drawl throws a punch at him and he's able to block it. It's like, there's no way yeah. he'd have been able to do that just in his or human form. Or getting thrown across the Yeah, like regardless of if you're wearing armor, if something up, huge yeah. hits you and you don't have the strength to keep your arms strong, you know, all it's going to do is fuck you up. Yeah. You're just going to go like smashed into the ground. Yep. And he's having, at this point, a hard time controlling his armor even. He can't even get yeah. it on. Can't get it up whenever he wants. <laughs> that is true. You know, speaking of adult topics in the show (laughs) (laughs) but that is true because the armor very much reflects to your emotional state yep and so if he gets too and what's funny too is they got these different rules for being the troll hunter and like like (laughs) rule one is like always be afraid yeah always be afraid fear keeps you alive yeah because if you get too cocky you know, it's, it's not going to work for you. Yeah. And, and there's, there's a really excellent way that they illustrate that in a later episode with like a totem that, that Jim wears and it takes away all of his fear. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, okay. So then at the start of, uh, the fourth episode, um, in this, there's, there's a lot of kind of filler episodes in this. Or if it's yeah. not, if it's not really a filler, it's just kind of some weird filler plot lines that, you know, maybe they could have reduced this down. This might have been a better show, actually, if they'd released it in two seasons. Yep. Two 13-episode seasons. Yep. But, you know, when you, when it's taken as 26, it's like maybe some of these feel a little bit fillerish. Yes. But But overall, they're short episodes. They're, you know, I think Less it was- Less than 30 me- minutes. Yeah, it was, it was the type of show that was meant to fill a 30-minute time slot, yep. probably with commercials. Yep. And so- I think I was halfway through the season Tuesday- and I finished that so thirteen, and I finished twenty six yeah. this morning Saturday. Yeah, it can go really fast, yeah. and you know you're talking three episodes an hour. Yep, you know that that'll go pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in this one, he comes to find out that part of being the troll hunter is he always has to answer the call, no matter what it is. Yep. And there's like this, you know, this lady's like or fugly lady. troll. Yeah, this yeah, a fugly troll. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> As if they all aren't. And like you see this character pop up a lot yeah. in, in the episode. And she and she's always bitching about something that she needs the troll hunter the troll hunter's help with. Yeah. And on this one particularly, she's having issues with a gnome. The gnomes, yeah. And the gnomes in the show are kind of fun in that they look like garden gnomes, but they've got really they're sharp teeth. Bastards, <laughs> yeah, they're just they are. little fuckers. And uh and Blinky has no patience for him at all. Yeah. He's like, Be gone, Vermin. Yeah. <laughs> And so anyway, this shopkeeper is having this trouble with this gnome. And so this is Jim's first, you know, real job as the troll hunter. You know, he's he's got this fight upcoming withdrawal. But, you know, really the first time he did anything is the troll hunter. He lost. But now he's got a little bit of confidence. And so um, 
Blinky's telling him this is great. This is going to be a perfect first challenge for you. Right. It's just this gnome. You just got to catch him. And, and kill it. In which we will come to find yeah. out that, yeah, not rule number two, you finish the fight. Yep. Yep. And in that case, it means that, you know, they expect Jim to kill things. But you no, know, that's, he's not that's the way it goes. That, especially he's, to start. He's definitely not. And, you know, which makes sense. You know, hey, we want you to take that big ass sword you got and we want you to be our executioner. Yeah. And you're 15. Deal with it. Now go squash this little puppy looking thing. You know, <laughs> yeah, because exactly. the gnomes, they don't look harm- harmful. No, it looks like a garden mouth. gnome. Yeah. It looks like a garden gnome until it opens its mouth and it's full of sharp teeth. Yeah. And, and they can't really talk like the other ones. They can do like this weird form of talking where it's just like a bunch of gibberish. Yeah. But kind of a charades with some gibberish. <laughs> And and throughout all the show, they're a small subplot of everything that's going on. But they take their hats off, and their hair is pointy like the hat. Yeah, it looks like a weird little drill bit into dartboard. Yeah, and they're sticking. In, <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> but um. So anyway, this this um this gnome it gets Jim's uh, amulet away from him, and it disappears down like a little hole in the wall. Yep. That they can't get into, and so Blinky tells Jim that they've got. This device that they use to condense and concentrate minerals and gems. Yep. And like, he just kind of talks Jim right into this thing and then turns it on and it shrinks Jim down to the same size as the gnome, if not a little bit smaller, but big enough to where he can run in this hole. Yeah. And Jim's saying, you know, why can't I just call the amulet back to me and it'll come flying at me? Because earlier in the show, when he's not wanting to be the troll hunter, he keeps trying to throw away the amulet. And then the amulet just, he throws it away and then he goes and opens the medicine cabinet to grab his toothpaste or something. The amulet's right there or whatever. So he says, the window in the other window, hits him in the head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so he's like, well, you know, why can't I just call it back to me? And Blinky says, well, you didn't throw it away. It was stolen from you. And the amulet can be stolen. So you've got to guard it against that. And you need to go get this amulet. And so he shrinks him down. He goes in there and he has a hand to hand fight with the gnome. And Blinky tells him, no matter what happens, don't take his hat. Don't touch his hat. And Jim <laughs> yeah. accidentally pulls the hat off and it shows him that, you know, the gnome's head is bald and pointy like a drill bit. Yeah. And so now the gnome's really pissed off and he's running around at Jim. And Jim just barely grabs the amulet, speaks the words, boom, he turns into the troll hunter. And right away the gnome knows, okay, the fight's lost. And so Jim comes walking him out of the hole at sword point and he's wearing the, the gnome's hat. Yeah. <laughs> And so then Blinky, that's when Blinky tells him, okay, now you got to finish the fight. And Jim's like, what? And he's like, yeah, you got to, you got to take him out. That's rule number two. All right, I'll do it. Yeah. And so then, and then he's like, but what about me? I'm tiny. And, and Blinky tells him, oh, it doesn't, you know, last long. Don't worry. You'll, you know, probably by tomorrow you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And so he goes back and he just spends the night at Toby's house. And Toby's got this big dollhouse. Yeah. up in his room that he makes the bed in there for Jim. And so Jim's sleeping in the dollhouse and they've got the gnome in a bag. And they're supposed to kill it. They're supposed to kill it. And so Jim goes to bed and then Toby's down with the garbage disposal running and he's yeah. got the gnome in the bag and he's like yeah. talking to himself. He's like, I'm going to be a killer after this. <laughs> and he's like, it, that's fucked up. He's going to drop a living yeah. creature into a fucking garbage and disposal in the sink. a rock creature. This is flesh and bone. These little gnomes. <laughs> yeah. It was going to, it was going to get pretty <laughs> dicey, so to speak. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> How's he going to grind his way out of this one? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and then Toby kind of decides that he's not going to do it or whatever. And so 
they just put it in a pet carrier. <laughs> like the thing that you'd put like a cat in. Yeah. And so that's like, that's this little gnome's jail cell. And so then the next morning, um, Jim's still tiny. And Toby explains to him, hey, I came up with a different idea. Blinky said we were supposed to take care of him. Yeah. Well, why don't we just take, take care. care of him? Yep. <laughs> and so then um, he's like, okay, we're going to leave him here. And Jim's like, man, I got this speech I got to give in Spanish class today or I'm going to fail. And so Toby's like, don't worry, I'm going to set it up. And so Toby takes an iPad to class or like a laptop and sets up jim's phone in front of him in the dollhouse so oh, it's big yeah. giant so it looks, like a human-sized yeah. tablet yeah and so jim sits down in this little dollhouse living room and it looks like he's skyping in his, yeah. his uh spanish report yeah <laughs> and while he's doing the spanish report toby's grandma comes in to vacuum the room <laughs> looks in the pet carrier and she's got really bad eyesight yeah. so she's like oh how did you get in there mr kitty yeah and she lets him out and then so jim's like oh my god i've got to give this book report and this gnome's going to be coming and trying to kill me yeah. and so it's actually pretty funny that as he's doing this this spanish like you know like he's got to use so many words in spanish in like a speech that's oral however presentation. long yeah an oral presentation there we go and uh he's fighting the gnome at the same time and yeah. trying to keep it out of view and toby's trying to hide the spots on the laptop from the class yeah because you know, they're trying to keep all this stuff a secret yeah yeah and um and as it's going also on also um jim had got roped into doing uh, a school play because he had a crush on claire and Claire is the lead in Romeo and Juliet, and she needed some. She she talks to Jim in the first episode and says, you know, hey, we're looking for boys to to you know to sign up for theater. We don't got that many of them. And so when Jim he's in school and he gets caught in his armor, he can't make the armor yep, go away. Yep. And so the one teacher, uh, Mr. Strickler, who comes up quite a bit, Mr. Strickler, right away, you, he's presented where you're like all his interactions with Jim, he's very fatherly with him and you can tell that jim really likes him a lot comes to him with a lot of the problems kind of kind of like blinky's properly spoke uh yeah yeah very much so and he's voiced by um um oh fuck who is he voiced by i don't know british uh, it, it's that uh okay jonathan hyde mm. now uh jonathan hyde played the um the do you remember the movie anaconda Yes. Okay, remember the guy that was the narrator for their documentary they were filming? Okay, yeah, yeah. That's that's Jonathan Hyde. Um I don't know, I'm sure he was in some other stuff too. I'm sure. <laughs> but that's just the thing I remember most is like yeah. the 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 cowardly boat um narrator guy that uh, John Voight's character eventually makes drive the boat and he tries <laughs> to stand up to him and John Voight slaps him. <laughs> just makes a little bitch out of him but uh so that's the voice of mr strickler so he's got a very proper voice also but um uh you come to find out that he's in league with the with the the gum gums he he's he is a gum gum and more than that he's what's called a changeling and um and so anyway he sees jim in this armor and of course he knows what it is right away he knows that jim is the new troller. And, and yeah. I'm not giving away anything. You find out in the first episode. Yeah. Because it shows Strickler towards the end of the episode talking with, with Bular. Yeah. Uh, saying that, oh, the amulet has chosen a his human. His eyes this turn time. yellow. Yeah. Something's up with Yeah. Mr. And then Strickler. the first time you see him assume his troll form, he's fucking creepy looking. Yep. Yeah. And he's technically. Very much uh, looks like a vulture or something like that. Yeah. But. Scrawny, a feather, feathery type robe yeah and they look like feathers cape. but when he pulls them out they're like they're steel Blades, knives that yeah. he can throw yep. and stuff so he, he's pretty deadly you come to find out he's very ancient as well more badassery and he spent so much time 
like impersonating a human that he's actually starting to take on some human traits, even though he's, he's very despicable, but he actually kind of starts to, you can tell that he has an affection for Jim. Yeah. And moreover, he's got the hots for Jim's mom. Yeah. And which, which plays out through throughout the entire course of the first season. Significantly. So, but yeah. So anyway, so Jim gets seen by Mr. Strickler wearing his armor. And so he's like, Oh, I'm trying out for the play. You know, he just thinks of it off the top of his head. And so then Strickler's like, well, you better go. Auditions are almost over. And he goes and, and he repeats this speech that Blinky had given him about, um, it's a total ripoff of Thoreau. He's saying, you know, most men leave most more or less saying most men leave lead lives of quiet desperation and they just need one moment where they can rise up and become their own hero. Yeah. And so he totally kills it at the audition. Yeah. yeah. And so he's given the part of Romeo. Glowing so, with the awesome knight uh, sword. Yeah, so. yeah. He's doing the audition in the troll hunter armor yeah. with the sword and everything. So he knocks everybody's socks off. Yeah. But and he's Claire so busy. Falls. Yeah, yeah. Claire starts to get very intrigued by Jim yeah. because she's seen him stand up to Steve and and, you know, and that whole thing went down because he was sticking up for the dorky kid, Eli. Yeah. And so, you know, Jim's, Jim's stock in school in Arcadia is really starting to go up. Yes. Lots of kids are noticing that, that hey, this is a good guy who's not afraid to stand up to the school bully and risk an ass whooping to do what's right. Yeah. And so Claire really starts to notice. And also, he's so busy with troll stuff that he's constantly missing play practice and stuff. And so Claire's really starting to notice that something is up with Jim. Jim's flaky. <laughs> yes, that's how she's really seeing him. But then mm-hmm. she starts to understand where it comes from right. more. But um, And so as it goes on, um, uh, okay, what was that? He's doing the speech. Um, he has the fight with the gnome. Well, and then they, they come to find out that all that gnome wanted was a home. Right. And so once right. that gnome kind of checks out what the dollhouse is like and he finds a, a female doll uh, yeah, that he can fall Barbie. in love with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got a Barbie that he just carries around like sings songs to and shit. Right. I don't even want to know yeah. what goes on with that doll. <laughs> 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 but, <laughs> so so now the the gnome, and I can't remember the gnome's name. Uh, Toby's like, I even came up with a name for him. Gnome Chomsky. Oh, yeah, yeah. Chomsky. <laughs> So now Chomsky is living living in Toby's, Toby's bedroom in the dollhouse, yeah, in the totally dollhouse. content. Yep, <laughs> he's yep. no longer a little asshole. And Grandma just thinks it's the cat. Yeah, pretty much. She's so <laughs> blind she can't freaking see anything. Yeah. And, to- and Toby even tells um, Arg later on when Arg uh, has to c- come and live with Toby to kind of protect him um, that you know, oh my grandma only comes upstairs maybe once a month to vacuum. And her eyesight's so bad that she's not going to be able to see yeah. what you really are anyway. And and when Nanny, it was it Nana? Yeah. When Nana eventually does see Arg, like Toby tells her that, oh, this is my friend. Foreign exchange student. From Japan. sumo wrestler. Yeah, he's a sumo wrestler. Yeah. And that's why he's so big. Yep. <laughs> so now he's pretty much free to roam the house. Yeah. Not that he does, but. Yeah. Um, but. And so when uh, Blinky finds out that they didn't kill the gnome, they're like, look, we're not just going to do things by all your rules just because that's the way it was always done. The amulet did something totally different when it chose me, a human. And so I'm going to do this the way that I have to, according to my conscience, because I believe that that's what the amulet wants done. At that point, I almost thought that Jim was not going to kill anybody throughout the show when he took that stand not killing Chomsky that 
that was how he was going to stand throughout the show. I didn't know how, what was going to go on from there. I was kind of disappointed a little at that point, not <laughs> we're, knowing we're in what. The, oh, moving forward, that's how they're going to make this more of a kid show yeah. is that, okay, he's going to have the, I don't kill. Right, right. And it's like, okay, you don't kill, but you carry around a freaking giant sword. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, moving into the next episode, uh, that's where we uh, meet the goblins, which are agents of the the gum gums and the goblins are fucking weird yeah they're like these weird spider monkey looking little things yep. and they've got this odd language where they just say variations of waka chaka like, waka chaka and you don't want it's them so on your bad side odd. yeah and like <clears throat> so the goblins like they will elect a leader and that leader is if that leader gets killed all the goblins will kill the person that killed their leader. But, yeah. but then and I don't, I don't think they elect a leader, just whoever, whoever they, there's a Sharpie. <laughs> yeah. And whoever's nearest the Sharpie paints a little they, evil they, mustache yeah. on themselves and boom, they're the leader, literally a Sharpie nearby. <laughs> and then the leader carries the Sharpie with them. Yep. And then whenever these goblins die and they can get killed very easily, mm-hmm. Yes. Like there's at one point where like a stack of books falls on one and splat. And yeah. it just looks like, like I could only imagine that in the exorcist when, when Linda Blair pukes all that fucking pea green soup. Yeah. Yeah. That, that looks, that's what a goblin looks like when it's smashed. Yeah, it's and just it, a gross green great sticky sound puddle. Too, whenever, whenever yeah. one of them gets smashed. <laughs> <laughs> and so it opens up and we meet the goblins and then you come to find out that as the troll hunter rule number two or, um, the first rule was always be afraid, right? Right. They say always be afraid except for when you're around goblins because goblins exist off of people's fear yes. and they can smell it. And so while they're staking out these goblins, and that was where the great scene comes in with, with Toby getting called that he's weird. Yeah. By R. Yep. <laughs> they're staking out the goblins and then all of a sudden they start to get afraid. Jim starts to get afraid and the goblins see them and then take off after them and they're running from them. And then they come to find out that this museum, they track the goblins to this museum. And so then they see the museum's curator go inside and they're like, oh, no, we got to go in there and save her. She doesn't know the goblins are in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they go in and this is the first time that we really see a changeling in action because we find out that museum's curator is a changeling. Which is a human that can change into a more humanoid type troll yep looking thing and and this is where we get the lore of how the changelings work where basically the changelings start off as like a tiny tiny little troll and they have these this weird little portal thing that kind of looks like a, a big spiky christmas wreath of sorts and um that's called the fetch okay yes and the fetch opens like a tiny little portal that the, uh, will allow one of these changelings to come through and then they steal a human baby and take it into the Darklands. And then this changeling is able to assume that human's form. Right. And so they just switch out a human baby with a, a tiny little changeling troll. And then are raised as this baby. Yeah. But the whole time are. But the caveat is we come to find out that for this changeling to exist, in our world and be able to keep assuming that shape, no harm can come to that human child. Right. And so later on in the series, you see this scene from the Darklands and it's just all these big pillars of 
cavern, kind of like it's like in, pillars uh, of rock sticking up from the ground, and then all these like kind of like in that that uh, the underworld movie was it underworld? No, where the the cavern with all the vampire babies that hadn't been. Oh, it's not really. Is that Van now. Helsing? That might have been something in Van Helsing. I yeah. remember there was like a bunch of weird egg sacks and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, except yeah, for they're there's not just egg a bunch sacks of bassinets hanging yeah. from chains. In, in a big giant cavern that looks spooky. Yeah, and all these babies are just like perpetually asleep. Right. They're just kind of like in a, a sleep like, dream like state. And, and they're all healthy. They're all healthy yeah. and, and safe and happy, but it's right there. They've been taken from their families. And so that's one of the first big dark turns that you see in this show is yeah. that, oh my God, there's like little kids getting stolen. And then, so anyway, this, this curator for the museum, uh, her name is uh, Numora. Sounds right. And um, her troll shape is fucking creepy. She looks like a big praying mantis or something like that. Pink. Yeah, pink. pink and she's mantis. got a creepy voice and she constantly whistles. Like while mm. she's like stalking her prey, yep. and she, I, I'm, I think it's in the Hall of the Mountain King, is the the tune that she whistles. Mm. I don't know you, rec- I remember it from cartoons when I was a little kid. It's a neat little tune, but when she does it, it's oh, fucking yeah, yeah. creepy. Yep, really fucking creepy. And she's got these two big curved swords, and so this is really the first, the first troll that Jim has to fight that really gives him a run for his money. You know, beyond fighting Drawl. You know, in the beginning, which sparring. which was more of a sparring match, anything. You know, I mean, Drawl definitely wanted to take him out. Yeah, but but this is something different. I mean, she's she's coming from a very evil, evil place. place. Yeah, yeah, like, and and she's fucking scary looking. And as they're running through the museum, they see a glimpse of a bridge that's being put together in tiny little blocks, and they recognize it from a book that Blinky had been giving them troll history lessons out of, and. They believe it's called Killahead Bridge. Now, Killahead Bridge is the – that's the gateway that will yep. open up the Darklands and allow Gunmar to escape. And so they come back. A portal they, of sorts. Yeah, exactly. And they come back and they tell Blinky that, hey, we saw this. And they they are assembling – you know, because Blinky was telling him, you know, Killahead Bridge in the last war with Gunmar – we we banished him through that portal and then we destroyed the bridge and we took it apart and we scattered the pieces all over the world. Yep. Well, over the last several thousand years, the gum gums have been collecting those pieces using changelings to infiltrate the human world and they have nearly got this bridge put back together. Yes. And so Jim gets uh, Blinky to tell Vendel and Vendel actually leaves Troll Market and they go up there to the museum and they pull the the, the big sheet of canvas down and it's not the bridge. It's no. like a Viking ship or yeah. something like that. So Vendel, who's already, you know, the Troll Hunter's on shaky ground with him, he's even more mad. And, you know, Vendel's like, you know, he hasn't this is left ridiculous. The troll Market in like 10,000 yeah. years or some, some crazy number like that. And, um, and so now they need to prove that there's changelings because Vendel doesn't even believe him that there's changelings. They're like, no, that's just a myth. There's no changelings anymore. And Jim wants to tell all the trolls what's going on. And, you know, Blinky is trying to stop him saying, you can't, Not you're going to incite a panic. Right. We need proof. And so uh, then it goes into uh, Jim and Toby doing everything they can to catch a changeling and show that, you know, no, this is really happening. You guys need to take this seriously. And uh, it's hilarious. They need a special charm that they have to touch a changeling with. And um, 
the horseshoe. Oh, yeah, and they call it like it? a gaggle tack yeah, or something like yeah. that. <laughs> and if they can get the changeling in their human form to touch the gaggle tack, then they will show themselves as a changeling. It'll revert them right back to their troll form. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... How did how did they... What They found... They saw, Jim saw a goblin taken off with what he thought was a baby. Are we there yet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and he goes around a corner. There's a dead end and a, a bunny, a stuffed bunny laying in the alley. And that's his only clue to where where this baby is that it was swapped out with a, a changeling. Mm-hmm. And... I'm sure just, you know, for whatever reason, Claire walks up and says, why do you have my brother's stuffed bunny? Yeah, her little brother Enrique. Yeah. Right. And Toby's like, uh, maybe that's someone else's bunny. And, and then she reveals, you know, I think I'd recognize my stuffed bunny. That was the bunny that she had when she was a little girl. Yeah. And she gave it to Enrique when he was born. Who's probably four months old or so. Yeah. And so now Jim's saying, oh, my God, Claire's little brother's a changeling. Toby's saying, you're crazy. And then um, one of Claire's friends starts talking to her. And Claire's saying, oh, I need a babysitter tonight. This girl's saying, I can't do it. And Jim's like, I'll do it. Right. Because he wants to get a chance. He wants to touch Enrique with this. Gaggle tack. With the gaggle tack and see if he's going to change. And uh, and and that gets pretty funny too because then there's, it's this whole episode of Jim babysitting, babysitting Enrique and like suspecting him the whole time and every time he tries to find the gaggle tack it's it's missing it's missing or Enrique is not where he last was and now there's this four or five month old baby that is just on the go yeah and can't <laughs> and, and Jim can't find him at that point I think you'd think to yourself well yeah it's probably not a real baby but he still doesn't have the proof and, <laughs> right. and toby doesn't even believe him and right. toby's always got his back yep and so he he gets another uh gaggle tack and eventually touches him and boom it changes it's his little baby into this weird hairy thing. little yeah. troll that's like got this the scruff on his well, neck yeah what the hell accent is that that he's using is it like like a weird like oh. british accent almost or maybe uh, Australian or something. I, I don't know. He's he's definitely got a little bit of a weird Euro accent. Trash-ish. <laughs> Euro trashish. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I have European listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, you know, saying anything. I'm trying to. None of you fine the, folks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we have plenty of like American trash here. Believe me. Oh yes. <laughs> and they're the ones who make the news that you judge us. <laughs> right. That, that all Americans get judged on. <laughs> I didn't know how better to describe the, the accent. But that at that point, that's when my favorite character name enters the show. Because now Enrique no. is no longer Enrique. He is not Enrique. Yeah, that's how they refer to this changeling. No call to him. Not Enrique. <laughs> and he answers by it yeah. and everything. Because like basically once Troll or once Jim's got uh, the sword. The sword's called Daylight, and that's pretty cool. I always like yeah. it when a sword's got a name. Yeah. Regardless of what the Hound said in Game of Thrones. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. But um. Uh. So yeah, he's got Daylight drawn on Not Enrique. Not Enrique starts laughing, and he's like, "What are you gonna do?" He's like, "You can't touch me." He's like, "Oh, I'm the little brother." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so the gym's like, "Fuck." 
I'm yeah, totally you're right. Here. It might be Australian trash. It, it, <laughs> is is the accent? I have listeners in Australia too. <laughs> you just want to offend my whole no. fucking target audience. No. <laughs> I'm fucking with you, dude. <laughs> um, no. Uh, Oh, that totally derailed me. <laughs> okay, so while while Jim and Nod Enrique are fighting, the house is getting fucking trashed. Yep. Claire is not supposed to be out. Her parents don't even know that she's, she's going to at this a concert. concert. Yeah. yeah, and so she, her parents don't even With know that Jim. Steve. Yeah, it turns out that Steve, the fucking asshole bully from school, was the one. Bought the last two tickets to the concert. And yeah. She was willing to go with them, so... Jim stuck at the house babysitting, walks Claire to the door, and there's Steve on the Vespa that that Jim's been fucking lusting over. Jim really wants a moped. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And uh, and Steve has the showroom model, so of course, yeah, yeah, because you know, not only is he the jock kid, then you know, apparently he's also the rich kid and all that. (laughs) Yeah, and um, but uh. Claire's parents get uh, uh, Jim gets a call from Claire saying, "Oh my God, my parents are on their way home. I'm gonna get there as soon as I can." Well, the parents get there first, and Jim's holding now. You know, the, not Enrique now looks like Enrique again, yeah. and the house is just trashed. And because like, not Enrique's been throwing food and whatever, oh just, yeah, just destroying the fucking place and, while and fighting Jim. It's, it's worth saying that not Enrique is in the form of a baby, but he is fully capable of communicating he's he's a an adult centuries old yeah as a troll he's very old yeah yeah because he says later to claire that he's like over 200 years yeah. old or something like that so it's not like he's goo goo gaga and yeah it's and, all an act when, yeah. when he he's a baby yeah. <laughs> yeah he chooses to use the diaper yeah so yeah he's claire mean to claire has, yeah. makes claire have to change the diaper when he's perfectly capable capable of going to shit in the toilet yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> what an asshole yes <laughs> and so anyway, the parents get home and so now claire's parents hate jim yeah <laughs> and and claire's in trouble so she's mad at jim and she's like you know why do you keep missing play practice you know why did you fucking have a party at my house but then she's like i asked around at school and nobody was at my, was at this party what really happened yeah. and Jim can't tell her and um and then we move on to Jim's birthday and we find out that Jim always hates his birthday yeah and this episode's creepy too because it starts off with Jim having a nightmare and the nightmare is it's very much like Tony Stark's vision in Age of Ultron mm. where he's seeing his worst fears come to life yeah all of his friends and family are turned to stone and Gunmar is free and about to kill Jim, and then Jim wakes up. And so that's really the first glimpse we get of Gunmar, too. And it's kind right. of a shadowy figure with, um, I don't know if, yeah, he's just got one eye. And it's like glowing like fire. And he's got these big fucking horns. And we, we don't get a clear look of yeah, Gunmar, but he's definitely imposing Shadowy looking. profile-ish. Yeah. And uh, so Jim wakes up from that, and he's freaking out. And they spend the whole episode... Where Jim's kind of trying to tell people, you know, don't do things for my birthday. I don't like birthdays. And then something really heartbreaking. You come to find out that when Jim was a child, his father got him a bicycle kit that they were going to build together in the garage. And that night on Jim's birthday, his dad left. He just left him and his mom, just walked out and never came back into his life. So Jim's got that stigma hanging over him when it comes to birthdays that he doesn't like it things don't go well on his birthday and this birthday isn't much of an exception some shit hits the fan 
Yeah. And uh, he gets uh, – Toby tries to have a surprise for him. He's He's saved up some money and he's got all the forms in order and he takes Jim to the Vespa store and gets – Jim, since Jim's 16 now and he has a learner's permit, he's able to take test this Vespa out on a test yeah. drive. And then we come to find out while he's um, that uh, Bular had got tired. Um, so Bular and Strickler are working together. Bular is neither one of them is really the leader. They're having to work together and they can communicate with Gunmar through the portal, but they can't open the portal enough to actually allow anybody to pass through right but they're kind of having to work together and but uh, they obviously aren't best buds either. no no they they don't like each other but the the gum gums have to work with the changelings in order to get these pieces of killahead bridge and you know the changelings have have vowed their allegiance to gunmar but they that allegiance is to gunmar it's not to bular his son right and so they have to work together in a, a form of an a, a very shaky partnership yep and so Bular, he keeps accusing Strickler of having too much affection for the boy because Strickler tells him earlier on, you can't just go and kill him because if you go and kill a human, it's going to alert the the authorities to what's going on here. And we, we the utmost. Both mo- trolls and humans. Ex- exactly. The trolls don't even know what they're up to. Yeah. And then Gunmar even says, no, Strickler's right. We can't let anybody know what's going on. We are far too close to this. You know, I've spent thousands of years in the dark realm and I'm ready to come out there and taste human flesh and we're very close. And but then they come up with a different way, I guess, to do it because Bular sends a a different type of um, troll after Jim. And so Jim's out on his um, test drive and this thing will only attack. It can only attack Jim when Jim's by himself. So as long as he's around other people, this thing can't get him. But in this one flies and it's in oh, yeah. it's impervious to sunlight. And so Jim's driving down the road and in the rearview mirror of this little Vespa, he sees this big flying creepy ass troll coming after him. Well, and then he's going down the highway and he runs into Steve. And so then Steve's like talking <laughs> shit on him saying, oh, you want to be like me so much? You're on a Vespa too. He's like, oh, come on, let's race. And Jim's like, I don't want to race. I'm just trying to get the fuck away from you. Yeah. And he ends up like. Steve like gets way too cocky and he runs his Vespa off the road and wrecks it. Yeah. And also by this time, Steve to fuck with Jim had joined the play also and was made his understudy for the part of Romeo. Yep. But Jim missed so much practice. Now Jim's the understudy. Now Jim is the understudy. So Steve is kind of winning the little social war between the two. Which is also getting him close, Steve closer to Claire. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the, the, the high school story going on in the background is fun yeah it's really fun watching this little rivalry between jim and steve yeah and uh there's even a moment later on where steve is kind of real with him about you know what how he feels but then like at the end of it it was at the truckathon. yeah at the end of it he, he kind of like he ah, just, i can't believe you fell for that and it's like dude him. you seriously told him everything yeah. that you really feel yeah like that was but he it, he did tell him all those things to try and win the contest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep their hand on the v- the truck and whoever has to leave first. I, I wonder how many times that contest storyline's been used. Because I know I saw that in an old-ass episode of... Um, uh, oh, what the hell was that show that had... Um, uh, oh, God, the guy just died recently, too. Uh, he died during the pickup hockey game. Alan Thick. Yeah, yeah. What, what was the show? 
Growing he, pains. Okay, yeah, on growing pains. I'm yeah. pretty sure there's an episode of Growing Pains where they all had to keep their hand on a yeah, car, yeah. and whoever was the last one standing, you know, got to keep it or whatever. Well, this is they don't get to keep this truck in the episode. They're, they're, it's a contest for king of king of the spring fling. Exactly, and so Jim and and Jim and Steve and Eli, Eli the, the kid that the, keeps getting shoved in the locker. Yeah. <laughs> they're all in the running. And this is a little bit later on. We're jumping ahead a little bit yeah. here. But the, that's part of that storyline with the, the high school storyline that's pretty good. But uh, Steve gets run off the road and it fucks him up enough that he can't be the lead in the play anymore. So Jim at least gets his part of Romeo back. Yeah. But um, so Jim's like spending this whole episode trying to be around people. And what's funny is at the end, towards the end of the episode – his only chance to be around people is Claire's parents. Yeah. <laughs> and so they they show up at the play at the school to pick up Claire from play practice and Jim's talking to him through the window and they're just giving him stony looks. Yeah, they already hate him. They hate him because of him trashing the house and stuff. And he's like, hey, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Nunez, could you maybe give me a ride home? And they just stare at him and roll up the windows yeah. and drive away. <laughs> and like, honestly, how big of an asshole are you? If you're an adult and you're leaving a fucking 16-year-old outside the school in the dark during a fucking rainstorm. Well, I have a almost 16-year-old daughter. <laughs> and you'd and do the same thing? I would do the same thing <laughs> to some other fucking 16-year-old boy coming around my daughter. <laughs> just for fun, not okay. if he was bad or I, I retract <laughs> my previous statement. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. But what if that boy got eaten by a flying troll? You could have prevented that. <laughs> but I don't have to do anything now. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Are there flying trolls to rent? <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> and so Jim's able to defeat this this uh, this thing. And then um, uh, the next episode, Jim's talking with, uh, with Drawl. And he's telling him about how nervous he gets around Claire. And he's got this kiss coming up. That it's Romeo and Juliet, so they're going to have to kiss in front of the whole school, and Jim's nervous. Claire's nervous, so of course the whole school's talking about it, and yeah. Drawl tells Jim, ah, I got this totem that you can wear that'll take away all your fear. So Jim puts his totem on, and he's like a total cocky douchebag yeah. with this thing on, and the more he wears it, the more and more douchey he gets, to where he's like jacking the school's PA and like talking about, like he keeps saying, keep it crispy. Yeah. <laughs> It's it. There are a lot of cliche storylines. Oh yeah, yeah. To, I mean, this another example of something you've seen a hundred times. Yeah, in TV shows and movies. And that's where the children's programming aspect of yep. this really shows itself, and the amount of cliches it uses. But um, <laughs> and so this thing's called the Grit Shaka, and so eventually he gets cocky enough that he goes down into the sewers looking for Bular. Yeah, challenges him. And then that gets knocked off of him, and all of a sudden he realizes, holy shit. I'm scared as shit. I am, I am fucked. This thing's going to kill me. How did I get here? And he's barely able to jump out of a manhole cover yeah. and, and get away in time. But like, you really find out how why it's so important for the troll hunter to be afraid. Yeah. Because you are, you know, any one of these gum gums finds you, they're going to kill you because you're the troll hunter. Especially for the human aspect, you know, he, he can't just take a punch without his armor on like any other troll could. Yeah. So without the fear keeping him uh, aware of what's going on in his surroundings, his safety could be in danger at any time, especially yeah. when the sun goes down. And then um, during that fight, Bular calls him young Atlas. Yeah. And the significance of that is that that's what Strickler always calls him. Yes. Always. 
And so right there in that moment, Jim knows, oh my God, Strickler is a changeling. Yeah. And that was what Bular wanted to do. He wanted, he wanted Jim to know that Strickler yeah. was a bad guy and that, you know, hey, someone that you thought was on your side is not. And so Strickler's pissed about that. And he goes down and he starts yelling at Bular. He's going to know. Yeah, calling him stupid and stuff. And then all of a sudden, Gunmar starts speaking through the gateway. He says, I told him to do that. This was a test for you. We wanted to see if you have what it takes. And he knows that that he knows what you are now and you're going to have to kill him. And but Strickler, who is starting to have human type emotion, is kind of falling for Barbara, which is Jim's mm-hmm. mom. And so I don't think that he wanted that to happen quite yet, which one is actually one of the best scenes. When, the dinner? Yeah. 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 When they're at dinner and, and Jim's mom can't cook, so she's messing things <laughs> up in the kitchen while Jim and Strickler are sitting at the dinner table in the dining room and they're going They between. have that great exchange. He's like, I know that you know that I know that you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's a little comedic also. And, and every time she goes into the kitchen, he he puts his armor on. Strickler turns into the, the troll form. Yeah. And they're, they're like trying they're to kill each other. They're full on battling. Yeah. And then she'll be coming through. They'll zap back to human form out of the armor yeah, sitting at the she table. She actually comes in at the one point and they're like full on wrestling and they immediately just drop what they're doing. And Strickler drops to the ground. And he's like, he's like, oh, there's that pesky contact yeah. lens. And when Jim real quick turned out of the armor, the amulet fell off and it rolled away. Yeah. And so when Strickler's on the ground, he sees the ar- he sees the amulet under the couch. And he reaches and grabs it and pockets it and pulls out a fake one and puts it in its place and then stands up and acts like he's putting a contact lens in. And and Barbara goes, oh, Walt, I didn't know you wear contact lenses. And he delivers a very creepy line. He goes, there's a lot of things you don't know about me. It's like, oh, oh, that's such a loaded, creepy sentence. Yeah. You know, and to be delivered, you know, in that in that guy's like awesome British accent. You know, it, it just feels so oily. That that is one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. And so, um, can I get you guys anything else? I'd take a sharp knife for the meat. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then they're having that awesome yeah. knife fight. Yeah. over the table. Yeah, that is a good scene. That one yeah. was really cool. Um, uh, and is Claire in the basement that whole time? Yeah, Claire snuck in because she's she's trying to get answers to what's mm. going on. And and earlier. When when Jim had the fight with Jeral coming up, he was convinced that he was going to die because he was told that that fight had to be to the death. Yeah. Now Jim defeats he, he Drawl, defeats Drawl, but he refuses to kill him, which shames Drawl, and he's and so Drawl is forced to leave Troll Market yeah. because Jim took his honor. And then um, this is a few episodes earlier. We sh- yeah. should have covered this earlier, but what uh, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> but um uh. Uh, Numora shows up at Jim's house and drugs Jim's mom. So she passes out. Jim and Numora are having this huge fight. Jim's kind of in the bathroom waiting for Numora to come out. And he's like, okay, this is it. And then all of a sudden he hears these big fight sounds coming on. And then he looks in the backyard and Drawl has shown up at his house and just kicks the shit out of Numora. And she takes off. And then Drawl says, I was wrong about you. You were able to defeat me. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to protect your house and train you and I'm going to train you so that you know how to use that sword the correct way. 
And so Jim actually does get a competent like martial arts teacher. Yeah. And that Draw has been, you know, training him. And so Draw hangs out in the basement. And so Claire, when when that was happening, he thought he was gonna die. He wrote letters to he wrote a letter to Toby, he wrote a letter to his mom, and he wrote one to Claire. In the letter to Claire, he spelled out everything yeah. that was happening. Now, Jim's mom refused to open the letter. She gave it back to Jim and said, Whatever's going on with you, you need to tell me face to face. And Jim's like, I'm not ready. And so that one never got open. Toby read his before the fight was over. Yeah. And because <laughs> when the fight's over, he gives Jim a big hug and he's like, I never knew I was your best friend. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. And Jim's like, You read it already? <laughs> yeah. And Claire, she reads her her note and is seeing it as all metaphorical. Yeah. These monsters that Jim's fighting and makes and Jim like, kind of artsy. That really? Yeah, yeah. She sensitive. thinks of Yeah. And so She's starting to want to really know what's going on with Jim. And so she sneaks into his house and she's hanging out in the basement and Drawl is in the shadows trying to hide from her. Yeah. But Jim and Drawl also had a plan for when Strickler was coming over that if Jim stomped on the floor twice, yeah. that meant Drawl was supposed to come busting upstairs, grab Strickler and run. Yeah. You can get him out of there and take him out before Jim's mom notices <laughs> what's going on. And so when when Jim and Strickler first throw down, Jim stomps on the floor twice. And Strickler. And then Strickler knows what he's doing, so Strickler stomps twice also. Yeah. And so Drawl's down there getting all confused. Countings. He's holding up fingers, yeah. counting yeah. how many stomps he's heard. And then Claire eventually sneezes because all this dust is raining down from them stomping. And then Drawl says, Gesundheit. Yeah. And so she turns around, sees him, starts to scream, backs up, bumps, bumps her, head her head into a pipe out. and then passes out. And so then she's confronting Jim the next day saying, you know, what in the hell was that in your basement? What is going on with you? And so Jim's like, all right, I'm going to come clean with you. I'm the troll hunter. You know, your your little brother was taken. You're, you know, and I'm, I'm going to try and get him back. And she's like, what is going on? I don't believe you. And he pulls the amulet out and he's like, look, I'm going to show you. Pulls it out, you know, for the glory of Merlin, daylight is mine to command. Nothing happens. Jim doesn't realize that his amulet's been switched out with a fake, but he knows that sometimes due to his emotional state, it doesn't work right. And yep. so he doesn't think much of it. And he's more just frustrated and embarrassed. And embarrassed in because, front of Claire. Yeah. And, um, and so then, meanwhile, now uh, Bular and Strickler have got the amulet. They've got Killahead Bridge all put together and they found they need the amulet to power it. Right. So they put the amulet in there. Nothing happens. It fires up. And also Strickler's looking around and he's like, he's like, where is that little changeling? You know, that filthy little creature. He's supposed to be here. He sends a couple goblins over to go collect. And he's talking about not Enrique. Yeah. And he sends a couple goblins to go collect not Enrique. Now, they show up, not Enrique. He's he is a stubborn little troll. He does he's not a rank and file guy. And he's not going to just take their orders, even <laughs> though he's supposed to. And so he's running away, trying to get away from these goblins. He knocks over a bunch of books. And it smashes the goblin leader. Now, the goblins, when they pull those books aside, they see a picture of Claire. And right. so they're like, now they the, want the new one picks up the sharky sharpie draws a little mustache on, on himself, himself and, and yells, then they're after waka chaka <laughs> yeah. so then they're gonna go off and kill claire, claire. and so not enrique's like oh no i gotta stop this from happening so he goes and he tells jim and jim's like we gotta get out of here and they're out in the woods and he's fighting all these goblins off and he's just using a stick because his armor is not coming not working and and then uh though there's this excellent scene it is one of the coolest scenes and, it, and definitely the coolest scene in this first part where he throws his hand up in the air and he's like, for the he screams, for the glory of Merlin, where are you? Yeah. Now, 
the gum gums are trying to get this amulet to open up Trollhead Bridge, but it's not working. And so then when it doesn't work, Strickler takes another look at the amulet and the writing along the outside. It usually says, for the glory of Merlin, daylight is mine to command. When he reads it, it says, for the glory of Merlin, daylight is his to command. They need the troll hunter. Yeah. So only the troll hunter putting the amulet into the bridge is what will open the gateway. And so then he tells him, he tells Bular, we need the troll hunter. And so Bular sends Gamora, uh, not Gamora, Numora, mm, yeah. Numera. <laughs> it's Wrong so close to Gamora. Show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sends her to go collect the troll hunter. And so they're out in the woods. All of a sudden, Jim, he's fighting these goblins. He he yells that, and the amulet senses that he's in such an emotional state that it actually blasts through the ceiling of this museum where the bridge was at. When he calls for it. It flies right out of of um, Bular's hand. Right. And, and goes, and it goes flying through the woods, and Jim catches it, and it's this really sweet scene where it like yeah. lifts him up in the air, and Claire's seeing him do the transformation. Finally, Finally and Epic. like, oh, the score is fantastic with it. It is a really, really cool scene. Yeah. And then as soon as he drops back down to the ground, he's got the the big sword in his hand. Um, the goblins are now closing in, and so he goes running past Claire, and he just takes out like a dozen of them. Yeah, just like. Dyson motherfucker. Oh yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah. And like it is one of the coolest scenes of the show. That yeah. the this this part where and he's so doing that. He he's protecting Claire from the goblins because they're trying to kill They're trying kill to kill Claire. Claire. But then Nomura is trying to kill him. Well, and then it, it all happens. Him, she needs him. Yeah, and and the way that it leads to that is you have this huge triumphant scene with him taking out all these goblins and Claire being in awe of yeah. it and finally believing that my oh my hero. gosh, he, yeah, and he, he like <laughs> believing like oh my god, he was telling the truth. There is all this crazy shit in the world that I didn't know about because right. Claire was really smart. Yeah. She's a very smart girl. She's you know she probably didn't believe in any of this nonsense. And I mean, that clearly showed when she took Jim's note and took it all as metaphorical rather than believing that there are these trolls and that he's the troll hunter and all that. And so they're talking and they're kind of having this moment of coming down from this really arduous deal that they just went through where they really face death. Mm -hmm. And then they hear whistling. Yeah. And it's, it's that tune that, that Numera, that Numora uh, whistles. Yeah. And uh, Jim's like, you have got to get out of here. Run. Yep. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm not running. I mean, she, in, in her mind, she's like, we just dealt with yeah, this shit. Yeah. And then she, and then Numera, Numora, I really, I should have written down her name in my fucking notes better. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, she drops down from a fucking tree branch and like rises up and is like, what, just towering over him. And all of a sudden, Claire's like, you see this realization come across Claire's face of, holy shit, you know, I really should have fucking listened and ran. She ran. Yeah. Yeah. And so then Jim and her start fighting, and then Jim loses that fight. And um, He's about to be taken. He's about to get drug away, but then his friends show up. Toby and Arg are running, and Claire had gone to get her parents. Yeah, Toby and Arg this whole time are they they go and they're like, okay, the trolls are gonna take out Claire. So he goes and knocks on their door and Claire's dad answers, and so Toby's like, okay, they're fine. And they're just out in the woods and they see the amulet go flying by on its way to Jim. Yep. And Arg goes, That's weird. <laughs> and Toby goes, If it's weird stuff, it's troll stuff. Yeah. Follow it. Yeah. And so he's riding on Arg's back. And uh they take off through the woods and they they come up and they're able to save Jim before uh, she can before that evil troll can drag him away. Yeah. But Blinky gets found and captured by him. And so then they get a note from them saying, you need to show up at the museum 
if you ever want to see Blinky alive. Yes. And so this is how this is kind of the culmination of this first arc. Yep. And uh, this is episode 13 and Jim. I like the way they told the story here. It was kind of cool because they didn't give you everything up front. You think that Jim's just showing up. Right. And and the Blinky's all tied up and he's yelling at Jim. (laughs) Kelsey Grammer did such a good job. Yes. Bringing that character to life. And like you get so endeared to Arg and Blinky. Yep. And and you can see where Jim's coming from in this because you don't want to see anything happen to Blinky either. He's he's great. And also, uh, one of the cool things with Blinky is at the end of that episode where Jim had turned 16 – his gift to Jim was all the parts for a a vintage Vespa. Yes. That, that, that they he, could build together. That they could build together. And so basically he's stepping in. Reminiscent to, of his dad. Of what his dad did, but he's following through on it. And and that's it's so cool to see Blinky take that father role for Jim. Even though yeah. even though, you know, he's a troll. He, d- he doesn't look remotely human. I mean, he's got like six eyeballs, yeah. you know, and he's got and it's not like he's got four arms. It's not like Jim was searching for that father figure either. Yeah, he just found it yeah. in the, in this what started out just as his mentor. Yeah, and then it really takes the place of his father figure, and um, and so you know you're really seeing that emotion that yeah, Jim is willing to do these things for his friends, and so uh, Blinky's hanging there, and he's like, he's like, no, Jim, you can't do this, you can't do it. My life isn't worth it, you know. Well, he's sitting he's like, there for the glory him. of Merlin, you cannot do this. Yeah. <laughs> And he the whole time before Jim gets there, he's like, "Ah, oh, Jim's way too smart. He won't show up. He knows better than to do that." Yeah. In walks Jim. Yeah. And then they're like, "Wait a minute, what is he wearing?" And uh, and Jim was wearing uh, Toby's uh, chubby tracker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so then Drawl and Arg and Toby all bust into the museum right before, right behind Jim. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh. And Toby's dressed up in this makeshift armor and he's wearing like a boom box on a necklace around his yeah. neck. And like, he's like, hits the play button to play some hard rock and yeah, some like smooth jazz yeah. comes out instead. <laughs> and he has to switch uh, stations. You're just quick. waiting for Joe Stark to start talking. <laughs> yeah, I should have. I walked right into that saying smooth jazz. <laughs> My smooth jazz vocal stylings. Yeah. <laughs> KW102, the rain. <laughs> I'd listen. Maybe if I get tired of slinging bolts and nuts someday, I'll get a job at a radio station. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. They listen to my podcast and go, no, you say fucked up stuff. Right. Like fuck. <laughs> you don't have a filter. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, they got this big battle going on. And uh, Drawl and Bular are kind of facing off against each other. And, and Arg, even though he's a pacifist, is doing everything he can to defend his friends. And um, and eventually Bular, or no, Strickler and Jim are fighting against each other. And Strickler gets the, the upper hand against Jim, and he actually pulls the amulet off of Jim's chest, puts it in his hand, and forces his hand into it so that, you know, Jim's hand is now put it in. The gateway opens up, and it's basically like a big like a big vortex that's like just sucking all these things into the dark lands. Somewhat like, uh, in flash when they open. Yeah. Like, like that classic, a wormhole is opened yeah. or a black hole and everything's yeah. getting sucked into it or whatever. Yeah. And so draw real quick. He climbs up Killahead bridge and he's pulling on this amulet. And eventually before Gunmar can come through the portal, he pulls the amulet off and it's a big explosion of light. 
Yeah. And Jim's uh, in the aftermath. Um, uh, Numora uh, had gotten sucked into the portal along with a whole bunch of goblins. And because um, that's how a pacifist fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was a good scene. Because Arg, Arg w- didn't want to fight and he's fighting Numora the whole time. And she's talking she's shit. She's like, how does a pacifist fight? Yeah. And he, he gets her to kill one of the goblins. And yeah, so he's, now he's the goblins, being clever. Yeah, the goblins are after her. It was just, it was clever and funny. <laughs> and um, so watch and see. Yeah, <laughs> and so there's rubble all around, and uh, Jim goes over to draw, and he's really worried that um, uh, he's really worried that um, that draw is going to be dead, and because when he touches draw's hand, it it crumbles like yeah. half of his arm. the The hand that was holding the amulet and pulling it out of the 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 bridge uh disintegrates yep. and so draw looks up he's like no i'm okay but he's got like kind of a stumpy basically right it starts it stops kind of mid forearm yeah right is where it crumbled to almost elbow yeah but um and so he he lived and then um he takes off running because bular comes out and it is just starting to get daylight um so this is this fight has gone on at night and it is now approaching morning and Jim is running from Bular and he finds himself under the same bridge yep. that that Kanjigar was fighting Very Bular under scene. under the yeah. first opening scene of the show. And so Jim's down there and he's fighting him and Bular's kind of telling him that he's a weak flesh bag human and he's going to kill him and he's holding Jim up and Jim kind of realizes he goes well, yeah, I am a human. I don't have to do this by troll rules. Yeah. And so he pulls the amulet off. The armor disappears and he drops it down and then holds the amulet up to Bular's chest and screams the words. And it puts a pure shot of daylight right through yep. Bular. And so Bular falls down into the sunlight, much the way that that Kanjigar did, yeah. only now the canal's full of water. Yes. And so you see him starting to turn to stone and they hits the water and sinks to the bottom. And you're like, holy shit, the big bad just got taken out. Yeah. And so Jim climbs up and he's up on the bridge and um they're kind of in the shadows of some other buildings or whatever. And it's kind of foggy out also. Yeah. And um all of a sudden, you know, I mean you're led to believe that that you know it's all good this is now it's it's now now you're on the come down you know you've reached your peak everybody's having a cigarette yeah yeah (laughs) settling down and uh not really and boom (laughs) bular comes jumping out of the water he's about to attack jim's back and arg jumps forward and punches bular right in the face viciously and there was enough of him that had already started to turn to stone that it shatters him yeah and then jim looks at arg and he's like but you know, but your vow and and Arg's like your life is more important, right? And so then, that's the end of like kind of the first arc in this. And um, all right, before we get into the second arc, we're gonna take a short little break here. We will be right back. The Amulet of Daylight challenges you to ascend to the most sacred of offices. For you, Master Jim, are the Troll Hunter. All right, and we are back. Um, so, what was your what were your thoughts on that first story arc, Deb? Uh, that that first arc, which is half the season, 
which we talked about was pretty much a season in itself. I thought that by that point it had really had me captivated and was pleasant, pleasant, pleasantly surprised on, you know, how it took a bit of an adult curve to the kids show. There was plenty of action. Uh, Jim had uh, different layers of, uh, subplots going on and in general i'm just i'm i'm ready to keep going at that point when i finished uh bular is still around at that point no he's no he was he was killed at the end of episode 12 or end of episode 13 i'm losing myself (laughs) (laughs) but uh so now Strickler is taking on a more prominent role uh, towards the end of that arc, and I'm not even sure what to expect after that. Like I said, I thought that yeah, they re- I, they really shook things up with that. Yeah, I, I thought mean, that I was almost done. I was like, oh man, even the second time watching <laughs> it, I thought this is 26 episodes, but yeah, because it's like Strickler's a threat, but really the the scary threat was Bular. Right. Because he was the big one. He was the one that kept saying he was going to eat him. You know, I mean. Taste the flesh when you're scared. And- yeah, exactly. So so as you hit that that kind of mid-season uh, finale, it's it does leave you thinking, like, well, what, where the hell are they going to go from here? And, you know, I, I really enjoyed that first arc a lot. And uh, they, they wrap up just enough by the mid-season finale to where – it feels like the show's not just stringing you along. Um, but the, the overarching plot of what's going on with, you know, there's still Gunmar in the Darklands that wants to get out. And now he's going to be even more pissed because Jim just killed his son. Yes. And, um, you know, there's the, the, the Claire's brother Enrique is still trapped in the Darklands. And, you know, Jim had made a promise to Claire um, after he revealed himself that he's going to do everything in his power to get Enrique back. Yeah. And she, so she knows that not Enrique is not Enrique and is taking care of him to put up the front for her parents because she hasn't told her parents that that's not her brother. Yeah. And it's f- funny to kind of see the relationship build between Claire and not Enrique because they have to interact. Yeah. And it, it becomes kind of a a little bit brother sister ish <laughs> yeah even. yeah you see their relationship evolve yeah which was pretty cool um and that that first episode coming back from the mid-season break or, um or the you know mid-season finale there would be episode 14 which um you know i mean they even embrace it in the show they're saying return of the troll hunter yep so i don't know i i would not be surprised to find that they had written this as two seasons yeah but and um, maybe after the the that that would suck actually if if that was how it was and it was supposed to be two seasons but after anton died in his accident that they just put it all together as one because maybe they're not planning on coming back yeah i was just having that same thought as well that maybe they just packaged it all together and put it out there but oh yeah Man, I really hope they continue this, but and, and we'll get into those reasons more <laughs> a few more episodes down the yeah. down the line here. But 
So with this one, um, it starts off and, and Jim and Toby are taking Claire to troll markets because she knows now and and she wants to see it. And and they take her there and Vendel is not happy at all. He's he's saying, you know, I, I allowed you to bring Toby with for moral support, but now this place is getting overrun. Well, then Claire, she starts speaking to Vendel in, in trollish. The, Blinky's she, been trying to get Jim to study all these books on troll history. And which Claire, he's not doing. <laughs> yeah, and Claire has read all the books, and now she speaks troll. Yeah. And that totally switches Vendel's mind. Yeah, Vendel's like, oh. You, you, Welcome. She, she's so smart. <laughs> yeah. If only the troll hunter was smart as you. And Jim's right. like, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> And um, and then um, when when they're showing Claire the the hero's forge, um, something strange happens, and Jim receives a summons, and he gets there's there's kind of like this weird altar thing that's right in the middle of the hero's forge, and Jim gets pulled into it. He gets turned into spirit form and and pulled into it, and so then he's in like kind of like a ghostly realm that looks like the hero's the spirit forge. world, asshole. <laughs> yeah, he's in the spirit world. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? As little young guns. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I know it sounded familiar. We're in the spirit world, asshole. <laughs> so, yeah. the size of that chicken. <laughs> it's been a long fucking time since I watched that movie. That's funny. <laughs> um. So yeah, he's in the spirit world, and uh, he can communicate with all the former tr- uh, troll hunters. And they are not impressed with him. At all. And even though he took out Bular and, you know, he hears kind of ghostly whispers from all of them. But the one that actually materializes into kind of a spirit form and talks to him is Kanjigar, which is Drawl's dad. And Kanjigar is pissed off at Jim. He's like, he's like, I followed all these rules as the troll hunter that I didn't allow myself personal relationships that could be used against me. And it was to the detriment of my relationship with my son. I spent my whole life pushing my son away. And you come to find out that Drawl had a very fucked up relationship with his yeah. dad. He idolized his dad, but his dad would not allow him to be close to him. At all. Yeah. And and that – it becomes apparent pretty quickly with Drawl. Yeah, because – Drawl knows that when Jim disappears and goes to the spirit realm, that he's going to be talking to his father. And there's even one of the times that he comes back and Drawl's right there waiting for him in the forge. And he says, did you see my father? Did he mention me? Yeah. And Jim's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He said this and this. And Drawl's like, knows that that's nothing his dad would have ever right. said. And basically tells Jim, you know, you don't have to lie to try and protect my feelings. I'm, you know, I'm used to the way it goes with dad. But, but. But you also know that that Kanjigar did have a lot of feelings for his son because that's the one of the reasons he's most mad at Jim. He's saying, I did all this to protect my son, and you've made him lose half his arm already, which, you know, it got replaced with this cool, like, kind of like Me- mechan- mechanic. Arm. Yeah, like real clunky looking yeah. thing, but it's like, you know, metal fingers and stuff. It's kind of cool looking. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it just, if anything, it makes Draw look like even more of a badass. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's actually, it's, it's kind of reminiscent of like the, the mechanical arms that the Reavers had in Logan. But um, yeah, don't need to get into that. I don't think Dub's seen it yet. <laughs> no, <so. laughs> not yet. You poor bastard. <laughs> Soon enough, hopefully. Um, and so yeah, um, they know that he promised Claire that he would save Enrique, and they're saying your job as the troll hunter is to protect 
troll market. It is not to go on some expedition, a suicide expedition into the Darklands that basically if he's going to get there, he has to open the the portal for Killahead Bridge. Now, the trolls collected all those pieces and they've got them locked down in this like special room down in Troll Market that has all these big, huge locked doors to get into. But they know that Jim is planning on going and using the amulet to open that gateway and to go into the Darklands. And they're saying, if you go there, if you open that and Gunmar comes through and you die on the other side, there's no one here to protect us. You cannot keep this promise you made to Claire. But Jim is falling in love with Claire. And he's also got this sense of right where he he can't stand the thought of all these children that have been kidnapped that are just being left there because they're just a casualty of this war. And it's far more important to keep Gunmar out than it is to rescue all these children that, you know, I mean, honestly, that's, that is one of the darkest fucking themes in this show is that all these babies were raised by, I mean, as a parent, I couldn't imagine looking at my kid, one of my kids and like coming to the realization that you're not even a fucking human. You just like look like my kid, but you know, I mean, that's, that's dark, freaky shit. Yeah. And, um, and, and at this time, at this point too, the the past troll hunters are trying to explain to Jim that he needs to do this on his own, but he's already embraced team troll hunter, basically. Absolutely. With with Toby and Claire and even Blinky and Arg and Drawl. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to say, you know, they're They give him strength. Yeah. Yeah. They're my my strength. Uh-huh. Kind of Oliver Queen like <laughs> yeah it's it's very much you know like the, there's so many of the shows now like the on i think every one of them on the on the cw is they got a team behind right them. so and they're know, not supposed to it'd be better without the personal relationships but yeah yeah so yet another theme that we're seeing that gets yeah. repeated all over pop culture yeah and so um that episode ends then with strickler in uh in kind of like an Indiana Jones type moment. Oh yeah. All right, yep. <laughs> Where him, Strickler and this other changeling that you had seen, you know, popping in and out of previous episodes. And he was like and he even looks like he looks like that one character from Raiders of the Lost Ark. The uh the the creepy looking Nazi guy that wears all black and has like the, you know, the black fedora and shit. That's the, this guy kind of looks like that. And he's even got a German accent, My I think. Pencil mustache. <laughs> yes. And uh, so they're trekking through the jungle and they've got a goblin with them as well. And they come upon this ancient temple and they go in and there's this pile of rubble like on a little bit of a dais right in the center of this room with all these chains going down to it. And so Strickler goes over and he's wearing this weird looking ring that's very distinctive looking. And he goes and he finds a switch on the wall, like a big lever, and he pulls it and the chains drop down. And then the other guy's, you know, asking if it worked or something like that. And then all of a sudden you see a hand reach out of the rubble and grab the goblin and choke it to death. Yeah. And then this big, creepy looking troll stands up and he's not so much as big he's really tall but he's not like big and hulking the way that like bular gar um or arg yeah you know where and draw and draw you know it's not big hulking one but slender he's very menacing he's very fucking ninja yeah yeah and he's fucking spooky looking and he's got these horns on his head that are almost kind of like a ram's horns yellow yellow eyes yeah yellow glowing eyes and um He's yeah he he's he's menacing looking in in like a like oh he could probably move fast yeah 
and, you know, take you out, not through just brute strength, but through being, you know, like a fucking. A little more athletic. Yeah, exactly. You know, <clears throat> but, um, <clears throat> and so then he goes to strike Strickler because he basically tells them all, you know, you, you know, who dares to awaken Angor Rot? Yeah. You know, th- this is going to be the last thing that you're going to see. And he goes to strike Strickler. And Strickler kind of puts his hand up to cover his face, and it's the hand with the ring on it, and Angor Rod is not able to strike him. And then he looks and he says, you know, you wear the Inferno Copula, yeah. you know, and then basically saying, you know, that's my ring, give it back. And then Strickler realizes that, okay, this thing really does work. And all of a sudden, he's really cocky yeah. <laughs> to this fucking troll that he was just cowering in fear from. Now he's fucking saying, you know, I control you, you're going to do my bidding. And that's how the episode ends. And you're like, oh, fuck. Now Strickler's going to be coming back. And now he's got a, a troll that's just as scary as Bular was. But he's got this one seemingly under his thumb. Yeah. Which you know right away, any sort of plot line like that is always destined to fail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the only thing that's ever good about when that plot fails is that it's like, well, at least the big bad's going to be going after the other big bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so you you just know right away that that shit's coming down. Coming down the way. And so um, the next episode, Jim is now determined that if he's going to go to the Darklands, the the other troll hunters uh, in the spirit realm had told him that the only way back is – oh, we got some dogs. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break here and see if we can get the dogs settled down. You need to run. Run home and don't look back. Okay, and we're back. Um, yeah, Dub's got a couple of excitable little pups. And yeah, to say the <laughs> least. And you know, they'll probably just be some, some other co-hosts in the background. <laughs> just kind of give their opinion whenever they think somebody may or may not be at the door. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so Jim finds out that the only way he's going to be able to come back from the Darklands is if, if he actually goes there, he's going to have to kill Gunmar. Which is something that all the all those other troll hunter spirits told him was not possible. Right. So now moving forward, Jim's fucking quest is how do I kill Gunmar? Which is also all the former troll hunters are you know against Vendor Vendal is against Blinky is against this is a strictly team human troll hunter mission at this point. Yep. And um so moving forward, Jim's looking for a way that he can destroy um, Gunmar, and they're having a competition at school for who's going to be elected king and queen of the Spring Fling. And they, it's not so much it's an election thing. They have a bunch of contests, and it's yeah. like whoever wins the most amount of contests yeah. gets elected. And so this first contest is they got to come up with a theme. For what the spring fling oh, is yes. going to be. Yep. And now Angor Rot is. Jim doesn't know about him. Jim doesn't know about him yet, but Strickler has brought him back and Strickler's fled the school at this point too. Cause he's, he's been outed just to Jim and Jim's, you know, little clique of friends that, that he is a changing, but nobody else in the school or the human world knows. Have we, have we touched on that? Strickler is a teacher at the school. We might have mentioned that earlier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if we didn't, he was a teacher at the school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent spot there, Doug. <laughs> <clears throat> and so um uh 
Jim's looking out the window of the school and he's trying to come up with what his theme for the spring fling is going to be. And he notices this creepy looking troll, like kind of hovering on the, in the, in the shadows of the trees at the edge of the football field. So Jim goes out there to check it out. And as he comes around the corner and you'd seen Angle Rock go out and bury like a little carving that he had like cut from stone with it with a knife that he was whittling and he buried it in the soil in the middle of the football field and as jim comes around the corner all that dirt and grass springs to life as like this big golem creature yeah that is is powered from this totem that angor rot had made because that's one of the other things that makes angor rot so threatening is that not only is he physically able to kill you but he's a magic user as well which in that scene it's middle of the day in the football field and Angor Rot was able to manipulate the shadows. Yeah, so the shadow extends out from the so tree line all the way to the middle of the middle field. Middle of the field, bury that little yeah, and 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 start everything, and still stay hidden. Yeah, and and you know when I watched that scene, you find out later on as you learn more and more about Angor Rot is that he carries this staff called the Shadow Staff, and he's able to use that staff to teleport from place to place, and so. It's like, did he use magic to elongate that shadow, or did he? Is that something that the shadow staff was able to? I mean, because it's called the shadow staff, yeah. <laughs> and, and he was carrying it as a shadow lengthened out. So I don't. It doesn't expressly answer that, yeah. But it is a cool looking scene. And when Jim sees him, just creep back into the tree line. It's fucking creepy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anger so, Rod is is scary looking. Yeah, and and he's. I think he's scarier than Bular in that. It's like, what is he? going to do because it's like yeah bular that was an immediate threat he's gonna kill jim and he's going to eat him yeah but angor rod it's like holy shit what is he gonna do he wants to torture yeah yeah exactly he he, yeah he seems to be much more sadistic yeah and uh, and we've also learned that angor rod is an assassin who has killed multiple previous troll hunters yeah and and Within the the ring, which was the copula, yeah, infernus, uh, yes. the copula, uh, infernus copula, or- yeah, a bunch of <laughs> <clears throat> that. All the old troll hunter souls are like trapped in this ring, along with Angor Rot's soul is in this ring, which is why he wants the ring back from Strickler, and why Strickler can control Angor Rot. Yep. And so, so Jim does battle with this big dirt golem and gets covered in dirt and he comes back in and everyone in the school thinks he's, his theme is going to be rally. a mole. Yeah. Cause they're the, they're the, what is it? They're like Arcadia moles, moles or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Which, which I thought was funny is that, so a mole is a creature that lives underground more or less in fear of the sun. Yeah. They are the moles, and they have <laughs> trolls that live under their city. In fear of the sun. In fear of the sun. <laughs> and mole rhymes with troll. Right. <laughs> mm. <laughs> this show is so deep. And clever. <laughs> and so... Um, <laughs> so um, at, that, at that point, he comes in. He's almost late. They assume him being covered in mud, and was he was he in the armor? No, he know, wasn't at he that time. Okay, but he's he changed out mud. of the armor, but yeah. he's totally covered in mud and dirt. And they're like, "Oh, Jim's theme is mole," and everybody's "Woo, yay!" And then in walks the mole mania. Yeah, mole mania. <laughs> that's right. 
and in walks Strickler, who they think is gone. Yeah, and, and not only is he back, but now he's the principal. The principal. He's gotten rid of the principal, and he is now standing. Yeah, he, he sent principal. an email in from the former principal's email address to all the teachers in the school saying, I'm going on sabbatical, and Mr. Strickler is going to take over for me. Yeah. And so all the other teachers were like, fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing funny there. No, no, that's just a quick plot device. Like, yep. let's not mention the board of education and superintendents <laughs> and <laughs> shit like that. But it's kids show. It's they kid don't show. Care. And who cares? Yeah. We're already accepting that there's fucking trolls. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so Jim realizes that, um, yeah, he ends up winning spring. Uh, you know, he ends up winning that contest. Strickler's back, and he's concerned about it. And then uh, Blinky tells him that he found something in a book. And that they, he finds this book, then they have to like burn the book. And then the ashes of the book create like a poem that's in trollish mm-hmm. that basically spells out how Gunmar can be killed. And you have to find three different stones and like, you know, one of, one of fire, one of earth and one of something else. I, yeah. I don't remember. There's some, yeah. there's some neat poem that goes along yeah. with it, but, um, uh, and, and, Claire figures out the the meaning of everything because she's so smart. Yeah, and then Blinky's also able to pull out the oh, they must be talking about the triumbic stones, yeah. which are these three stones you can put together, and allegedly that is what can kill Gunmar. And so then you find out that this amulet that Jim has that turns him into the troll hunter, it can open up, and there's spaces inside it to drop rocks in. Which are each one of the triumphant stones. Yeah, you can drop different gemstones in it, and it will unlock different abilities in the amulet. Or weapons, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, previously, every time Jim's put this on, he's just had, you know, the big daylight sword and his armor. Well, moving forward now in this second arc, he's going to be collecting these different stones. And every time he drops a stone in, it's like a level up. Yeah. And um, and so, the, this first one... They they go, they have to um, – well, actually, then something happens to where um, Strickler realizes that Jim's going to just kill him. And so he has Anger Rot make a charm that links two his fate. Yeah, two charms. And then he has to like – he takes Barbara out on a date, Jim's mom, and he drops this charm into her tea when she isn't looking. And then he drops one into his and they both drink the tea and then their fates are linked together. Right. So now Jim can't hurt Strickler because anything he does to Strickler happens to his mom. And that can cause problems when you're needing Strickler dead. So. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he illustrates it because um, he's dropping Jim's mom off after this date. And he goes and gets in his car and Jim's been waiting in the back seat. Yeah. And he pops up and he puts the the that big sword to Strickler's neck and tells him, you know, you leave town now or I will kill you. Or I will end you. Like yeah. it's it's Jim being really dark. Yep. And uh and then Strickler tells him about this charm, and then he puts his thumb on the the edge of the sword and runs it down. And then in the window, you see Jim's mom in working in the kitchen. And then all of a sudden, she just goes ow, and she looks at her thumb, and it's bleeding. Yep. And so Jim's like, shit, I'm I'm screwed here. I yeah. can't take this guy out, or it's gonna hurt my mom. There's no play. And then um. Uh, also in that episode, the 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 team goes on their first quest. They they kind of assume that the one stone is going to be listed in this place called Gatto's Keep, and so that also introduces 
this like kind of high speed transport system that the oh, trolls the gyro. use. Yeah, the 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 gyre. Gyre, yeah, the yeah. gyre. And so and that's pretty cool. It's like this big machine that and it can travel like, you know, it, it does not follow the laws of physics. Yeah. Light it, speed from here to Argentina. <laughs> yeah. All underground through the middle of Earth. Yeah, because in this, you know, the in the lore of the trolls, they've been underground for so many years that they've there's tunnels that link everywhere and you know, you can get there it really looks fast. It's like one gyre. of those gyro machines you see at space camp. Yeah, kinda. totally. <clears throat> and, and they all stuff themselves into it and they go and it's like crazy shit it's like going so fast that you know it's leaving like a trail of like rainbow light yeah. or something it's really trippy looking yeah. but they it's funny because arg hates the gyre yeah. <laughs> arg is not a fan of it no. and so it's really funny the way he bitches about it yeah yeah <laughs> but um so they go to gato's keep which is like it's, it is was that in argentina or something like that it's somewhere in south america yeah. Somewhere down there. Yeah. But it's like basically an active volcano. Yes. And uh, so Gato is like the biggest troll we've ever seen. Like he is like, they have to like walk up scaffolding and stuff just to go and stand face to face with yeah. him. And his face is three stories high. Yeah. Just gigantic. And so he tells them that they need to solve a riddle in order. And then, you know, then he'll give them this, this treasure that they're seeking. And... They solve the riddle, but Gato's a big baby about it. And so he ends up eating Blinky and Toby. Yeah. And so, and they're not sure if, the, if they're dead or not, but it turns out that Gato's keep is actually his stomach. Right. And that's where he keeps everything because he's this big giant troll and he's big enough that you can actually go down into his body and his digestive system and stuff. And so Toby and Arg are down there. And Arg is, or um, not Arg, but uh, Toby and Blinky are down there. And Blinky's telling Toby, you know, don't touch anything. There there could be all sorts of weird, you know, enchanted items down here. And you never know what'll happen. And then right after he says that, he notices like a coin. An old Roman penny or something. That he got excited about. And so he pockets it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But then they find the stone. And then they're freaking out because they're thinking they're going to die. How are we going to get out of here? And the, and the then, good thing about all this troll dumb, the troll dumb that's cell phones work everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Toby's texting Jim. Yeah. <laughs> From inside the belly of Gato, he's being able to text with Jim. They're all, Jim's like, oh, they're all right. They're going to try and find. Uh, yeah, they the, got the stone. They're yeah. going to try and find a way out. Yeah. And so Toby starts panicking. And of course, since he's the fat kid, he has to panic eat. Yeah. And he's got he's, tacos. he's got a whole bunch of tacos, mm-hmm. and like Blinky bumps him, and it knocks one out of his hand. Or no, no, he tells him, he tells him, I know how we can get out of here. I've eaten your tacos. Yeah, and he the grabs back the door. Oh my god, yeah, this is so <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. He takes the taco and he throws it into like the digestive juices that they're on, like these little trails lava. and stuff, trying to stay away yeah. from. Yeah, and it's basically lava. And then all of a sudden, it shows Gato's face, and he gets all concerned. Basically, he's hit that moment in the Pepto-Bismol commercial where he realizes he's seven and a half seconds away from a diarrhea shot. Yeah. And so, basically... (laughs) Basically, (laughs) Blinky and Toby throw the super fiery taco into the lava. Uh, Acid reflux kicks in. They get diarrhea out floating on a rock. (laughs) It's and they're so going to meet back up. at the gyre. It's so <laughs> fucked up. And so, yeah, then they get away and they got the stone. And then they go and show it to Vendel. And at first, Vendel doesn't even believe him. Then he's like, oh, my gosh, you actually like this thing. You've like the legends are true. Key. And so he takes it from him and says, I'm going to hold on to this. 
And then right at the end of the episode, Blinky's doing some research and reading, and all of a sudden he starts to turn into looking like a human. And so that uh, that advice that he had given to Toby, saying don't touch anything, and then he followed didn't follow it himself. That put some sort of curse or enchantment on him. And as the episode closes, Blinky all of a sudden looks like a human, and yeah. he's stuck down in Troll Market. And the trolls are after him. Yeah, because they don't like humans. <laughs> and so as the next episode opens up, you know, they, they go and they catch, they, they send someone out to go find Jim and they say, hey, there's a human in troll market. Jim goes down there. The, the trolls have got him in a sack. Yeah. <laughs> and they got him lifted up in the air. And so he cuts Blinky out and Blinky starts chewing him out saying, yeah. I expect better behavior from you, Master Jim. And, and so then he realizes that, oh, this is Blinky. Yeah. So they take him to Vendel and Vendel's kind of laughing at him saying, what have you gotten yourself into? New flesh bag. Yeah. And he's like. He's like, you know, eventually it's going to wear off. I have no idea how long. But if I were you, I would go out and enjoy your day in the sun. Yeah, because it's just something he's never been able to do yeah, as a troll. Exactly. And so, and then Vendel's like, or you can stay here and just let me continue to poke and prod at you. Yeah. <laughs> and then Blinky's like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. And so then there's kind of a sad moment where he has to leave Arg behind. Yeah, they're, they're connected at the hip. Yeah. And then... um uh, so there, then uh, Claire and Toby and Jim are taking uh, Blinky all around Arcadia and showing him all these cool sights. And then right at the end of the day, they take him up to this like really cool overlook, like on the top of a cliff that kind of overlooks the city. And um, they're up there. And did you notice that they were like, oh, look at all this garbage on the ground. And they're like picking up the glass bottles yeah. and throwing them into the big dumpsters yeah. and stuff, like really drawing your attention to that. Yeah. Well, then Angle Rock comes out of the edge of the woods and he's got three more of these totems and he yeah. throws them in the dumpsters and so now you know we definitely know that when he makes these things and he throws them in something it basically makes a big golem creature out of whatever out of around. whatever yeah. is around the totem and so these ones are made out of shattered glass and so this is was Angerot's plan all along was that he wanted to distract jim's friends and lure jim off into the woods and so jim stupidly goes ch- chasing after this enemy he doesn't know anything that about. he really gets real eyes on for the first time yeah yeah, and he goes rushing off all by himself. Leaving everybody else to fight these glass, yeah. humongous yeah. creatures. I mean, can you imagine a big giant creature that's made out of shards of broken glass that's yeah. like swinging fists at you? Like, Ugh. And the way that you kill these things, whatever they're made out of, is you have to get that totem out and destroy the totem. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they'll just shatter. Yep, yep. Yeah, and that's really cool the different ways that they do that. Yeah. that they, they come up with it. Um uh, like the the very first one that Jim fights, he throws the sword and like it, the sword goes right through him, but it, you know it hits the totem on the yeah. way through, and so it takes it out. Yeah, and then Jim's able to run over and then smash the totem, and pick yeah, up the sword. Cool. Is yeah, it's <laughs> the the concepts they come up with this like it is such a weird balance because it's like on the one hand you want to call this a kid show, but on the other hand it was like. I don't know. I, I don't got patience for like bullshit stuff. And like, there was a little bit of bullshit stuff in this story. It wasn't like, like it w- without wasn't, a doubt, but there was enough cool stuff in it to where I was like, this is fucking yeah. great. It wasn't like justice league, which seems a little more yeah. uh, adult themed than. Oh Troll yeah. Hunters, yeah. Without a doubt. But it had the moments that you would want for you know an adult watching a cartoon yeah yeah like the scene with them having to surf diarrhea out of the yeah. big thing like, like yeah. you know my my boys thought that was hilarious of course and it's like yeah of course it's hilarious it's a fucking poop joke <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah but um 
Uh, and so Jim goes running off and this was just Angorot's plan all along. He just lured him off and there's this circle of stones on the ground that when you step into it, it catches you and it just like freezes you in space. And so then Angorot's having this long conversation with Jim while Jim's just frozen in place and his eyeballs can just barely move around. And so Angor like uses his staff and he like chants some spell and like he like draws this creepy looking mask type thing like yeah, on Jim's face. Yeah, it's, it's fucking spooky looking. And he tells Jim that you know, I could kill you right now, but that's not as fun for me. I want to, I want to string you along for a while. And when I'm finally bored with playing this game, then I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And moreover, you're not going to just die. Your soul is going to be mine forever yes. when I kill you. And so he disappears. Um, his friends come over and, you know, pull Jim out of the stasis trap. And then Blinky's looking at his face like that. And he's like, you know, oh my, you know, Jim, you've been marked for a face worse or a fate worse than death. Yeah. You know, this is, this is really bad. And then before Angerot leaves, he says, the next time we meet Troll Hunter, daylight will be mine to command. Yeah. And so it's like, well, what did he mean by that? Yeah. You know, cause, cause that's part of what Jim's words. He says, you know, by the glory of Merlin, daylight is mine to command. And then, so the, you know, and the sword is out. named daylight. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so anyway, Jim gets out and then there's one more of the glass golems left and he goes and dispatches it with extreme prejudice, which <laughs> yeah. is really cool, you know, because he just took out his frustration at losing so bad to anger rot. Yeah. And then, um, and so then moving on, you know, they've got two more of these stones that they need to find. And uh, they find out another one is um, uh, possessed by these uh, creatures called the, was it the Quagalumps? Quagalumps oh. or something like that. Yeah. And so anyway, they've got this legend of the Shattered King. And uh, Blinky tells Toby that you look a lot like the Shattered King. (laughs) And so we need to go there and we're going to tell him a story. We're going to lie to him and say that you are the reincarnated human form of their king. And could you please have this stone? And then we'll get out of here before they realize what's going on. Right. Well, they get there and they're just basking over Toby and he's enjoying he's eating ha- it up. He is very much eating it up. He likes it. And so he's like, no, I don't want to rush to it. And yeah. so he's having him do all this stuff and everyone's getting frustrated with him. He's even copping a little bit of attitude to Jim. And Claire yeah. And- yeah. And, and also the whole time this is going on is like the spring fling is approaching, which is a school dance. And Toby's gotten rejected by every girl in school with yeah. the exception of Claire because he didn't want to ask Claire because, you know, Jim he, was because of Jim. Claire, yeah. But Jim is just being a wuss. And everybody yeah. keeps telling Jim that he's being a wuss. He's wussing out. Or- Blinky had like showed up at the school and was like hanging out in the school library and stuff. And he's telling Jim that your names in the word wuss did come up quite a bit in conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so then finally Claire goes over and just asks him. Yeah. And so it's like, all right, great. And then they're about to have a dance. And then. And Jim, Jim is not concerned with winning king of the spring. No, he doesn't care at all. Toby Toby really wants him to win king of the school. (laughs) So that they'll be cool going into the next school year. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and then this little dance gets interrupted, but in before, before Jim and, and Claire can dance even down there. The the new king of the the Quagalump shows up and he is not happy that Toby's there. And then, you know, they all look at Toby and they're like, you know, show him your magic, defeat him. And Toby's like, oh, I got to be honest with you. I'm totally lying. Uh, I, I really can't fight this guy. And then before that guy can fight Toby, Angorod appears, drops down on this. And this is badass right here. He drops down on this new king's um, 
back and the king looks up and goes, who are you? And Hagarok goes, death. Yeah. <laughs> and he just drives this dagger into its back. And this dagger had been coated with this poison called sun creeper poison. And it immediately turns this troll to stone. Yeah. And then as he's getting turned to stone, he gets smashed. And then the stone that they're looking for was part of his crown. And so now there's a mad scrabble to fight off Angarot, while at the same time they need to go through this pile of this, you know, newly shattered king, yeah. find the piece of the old shattered king that's, you know, one of the triumvirate stones. And um, this fight is freaking crazy because there's all these trees and everything here. And Angarot has this staff that he can teleport. And so he's able to just keep, you know, it's kind of like the Nightcrawler scenes in X-Men, you know, where they go to take a swing and he disappears, yeah. you know, or the or the the Azrael, you know, in X-Men First Class. You know, it's very reminiscent of that, where they go to swing at him, he disappears, reappears behind him, that Caught sort of, of shit. Yeah. yeah, it's it's fucking cool. Yeah. And um, and then towards the end of that fight, um, uh, Claire is like kind of tussling with Angor Rot, and he teleports, and she gets pulled into the little dimension that he goes into when he teleports, and it shows it there, and it's fucking weird. It's like they're underwater. Yeah. And so they're having to swim and he they both get separated from the staff and they're both trying to swim as fast as they can to catch it. And she gets it first. And so she pops back out of that realm holding his staff, but he got away with the piece of the stone or right. with the triumvic stone. And then he just appears on some highway, like out in the desert in the middle of nowhere. And so like, but he kind of looks at the stone, flips it up in the air and catches it and just starts walking towards the nearest town. Yeah. And then um, Blinky looks at Claire and says, you know, you know, oh, the, you know, the, sh the shadows bane staff or whatever, you know, that, that is far too dangerous. Give it to me. And she's like, oh, no, I'm keeping this. Yeah. And so now Toby's fucking jealous. Claire has an awesome weapon. And and because, you know, she's this good looking girl and she starts to show interest in Jim. And so he's like, oh, my God. You know, I mean, and that's something normal that that any any guy could tell you that when you reach that age, when you're a teenager, and your best friend starts dating a girl. And now instead of you hanging out with your best friend, you're now competing with this out, girl. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's like you want your friend to be happy. But at the same time, it's like, no, you're taking my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, this next episode, Toby's definitely showing a lot of jealousy. And he's being a dick to Claire. Or as yeah. Claire puts it, he's being a butt. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and so Toby's doing all this stuff to try and prove the the you know he's a worthy member of the team and at the same time he's being a dick and putting claire down and um this the one annoying shopkeeper lady with, with the gnomes from earlier uh has an assignment for the troll hunter she needs a package delivered but she doesn't she wants to use human postal service because it's faster yeah <laughs> and so but jim's really busy with all this shit with school and everything and he's got to study for a test and you know he he just doesn't have the time to do it and Claire's like, oh, I'll do it. But then Toby's like jealous. He wants to show he can do it. And he's yeah. like, oh, we'll do it together. And like when the lady hands off the package, she's like, don't open it. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you do. And Toby opens it. And he hears a little gust of wind. And it turns out it was a curse. Yeah. It was in a box. And so now Turby or Turby. <laughs> Toby loses all touch. Turby -der. <laughs> Toby loses like all contact with gravity. Yeah. Basically like things start floating around him and then he starts floating. And as the curse gets worse and worse, like everything around him. And so he's going he, between no gravity and a hundred times gravity yeah. where he's super heavy and can't move or he's floating yeah. like a balloon in the sky. And and this is when the, the stuff was going on with the, the truck-a-thon, right? 
Yes. Yeah, because that's why Jim couldn't be there because yeah. he had to go and do that that next contest yeah. or whatever. I yep. think that's what's going on. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but um, and so this this is kind of a Toby and Claire centric episode where they get past you know Toby gets past his animosity. Claire you know makes him kind of tell the truth about it, and then she's like you know you know you and Jim are kind of the dynamic duo. You know nothing's ever going to take that away. And then they need to find a way to get the curse contained. And then they put it in like this war hammer. And so now this big hammer that Toby had been trying to pick up at the beginning of the episode, and he could barely lift it. Now it's super light. Yeah. And there's like these cool looking flames coming off yeah. of it. And so by the end of the episode, he's not only is he not jealous and him and Claire work through his shit. Now he has he's a got, weapon. He's got some cool looking weapon. Warhammer. <laughs> yeah, he has a code name for himself. He's calling himself Warhammer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, um, so now the next topic or tactic that Angerot has to use is he's he, it brings pixies into play, which are like these weird firefly looking things that they can fly into somebody's like your ear or your nose or your mouth. I mean, if it's any orifice, I assume they can fly up your dick yeah, hole. Yeah. <laughs> of course, they don't cover that in the show because this no. is maybe a kid's show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't figured out by now, this is not a kid's show right. for the review. Either. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Don't go, uh, like, Mommy, could a pixie fly up my dick hole? <laughs> like, oh, shit. What have you been listening to? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and the pixies, once they enter your body in whatever manner they decide, bring out the worst fears in you and you hallucinate the most scariest things that that you can imagine yeah and anybody else looks at you and you just look like you're in like a dreamwalking state like yeah. they see you interacting with stuff that only you can see yeah you're you're like cowering from the air yeah and so anger rot went through the sewers until he was right underneath like the like, arcadia high yeah like one of the shower drains yeah. or something like that in the locker room and he releases this big thing of pixies and so the whole school all the students in it get affected by the pixies teachers and students yeah and so they're going through and you know trying to deal with it and then eventually jim has to face anger rot and he's facing him well where he can't see him he's under he's got a pixie you know in his head and so he's he can hear anger rot's voice but he can't see him from anywhere anger rot beats the shit out of him and then you also find out that when jim pulls the sword to fight anger rot anger rot holds his hand up and daylight flies into his hand so yeah. that's what that enchantment did when he said daylight is mine to command. Jim can't use the sword against it. Every time he pulls it out, yeah. it leaves from Jim's hand and goes right over to Angor Rot. Yep. And uh and in this time also, um uh Vendel had told Jim that he does not support this quest of his to go into the Darklands, but he knows Jim's gonna do it anyway, and so he feels like he's forced to help him. And so that first stone that they took from Gatto's keep, uh Vendel Cuts it down. He has Jim. He teaches Jim how to cut it. Maybe he grinds him with it the down. second one, or I think he did, he probably does it himself with the first one. But basically, he takes this big lump of stone. He grinds it down so it looks like a nicely, finely cut gem. Mm -hmm. And he says that humans will cut cut gems down to unlock their beauty, whereas trolls do it to unlock their power. Yes. And he says it very much like like Kranich and Rogue One. <laughs> He's like, unleash their power. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put a little funk on that one <laughs> when he said the voice actor. He's probably like, the, the director was probably like, "Holy shit, man, keep that take." That's epic. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, they put that in, and Jim's like, "Well, what's it gonna do when they drop it in the amulet?" And 
And Angerot, or not Angerot, but Vendor tells him, you know, there's no telling. It's going to unlock something, but, you know, it'll happen while you're in combat, basically, yeah. is is when this will show itself. And so in the school there, when he's fighting Angerot, uh, and Angerot takes daylight from him, these two, like, you, you remember in Blade when Wesley Snipe had those S-looking fucking yeah. boomerang things that yep. he would throw? It's That's basically exactly that. What it looks like, and yeah. they they pop out of like the the thigh areas of the armor, and so there's one in each hand that he can throw them and then catch them, or he can kind of lock them together and and use them as like a a bigger weapon that could block a sword strike. Because every time he fights Angerot, Angerot takes his sword from yeah. him first thing. Yeah. And, and every and, and time almost Jim like, still brings out the sword. Yeah. <laughs> like I think even Angerut makes a comment on like, when are you going to learn? Yeah. Daylight is mine to command. Like you are not going to use this thing against me. Yeah. And um and so Jim's got this and he's kind of holding his own. But then eventually Angerot gets the upper hand on him with the help of the pixies. And he puts daylight to Jim's neck and, and Jim's like, what are you going to do? And Angerot tells him, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm going to make you a deal. I want you to get me my ring back. Yeah. And if you do that, I will remove the enchantment that connects Strickler and your mother. And so then Jim's now got this on his mind. He's like, do I do this deal? And they're like, you can't. If Once he gets that ring, you have no idea if he's going to keep his word or not. This is a guy that he kills troll hunters. And then when Jim's talking with Anger, talking about Angerot with the, with, in the spirit realm with the other ones, that's when he finds out that they're, none of those troll hunters are there that fought him because all their spirits were being held by by anger rot yeah and they're basically saying that there's no way to defeat him and he was also saying you also said that there was no way to defeat gunmar and i found out about the triumbric stones so you know either you guys are just a piss poor council or you're you know intentionally lying to me which one is it yeah and so jim's really standing up to these <laughs> all these former ones saying no i don't care what you're saying i'm gonna i'm gonna listen to your advice but i'm not gonna do exactly what you say and um uh, then after that, and on top of that, he has to get the ring from Strickler, which isn't going to be easy. In yeah. Yeah. And then they find out that in that moving forward, that's exactly what they do. They go and they got to try and get the ring from Strickler. And then at the same time, Claire, and this is kind of a weird episode where, um, Claire has some beef with not Enrique and, not Enrique gets pissed and he's had it and he's like, all right, fuck this. I'm throwing a party yeah. tonight. And so Claire's supposed to be having some of her friends come over and her parents but, are out of town. Yeah, her parents are out of town, but not Enrique's guests show up first. And so then and they're all to, trolls. And they're all trolls and they're having this big rowdy fucking party. And the whole time Arg's been acting weird. Yeah. Ever since the the battle in the with the down in the swamps with the, the quagalumps. And uh, Arg shows up and Claire's like, oh, yes, you're going to be here to save me. And he, he's there to party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what they call the the ale, but he smells like, it and is like, ah. Yeah. It's like uh, gunk or something Glunker, like that. It's, yeah, yeah, it's something. glug or it's, yeah, it's got glug. some weird word. I think it was glug. But yeah, he's like drinking it out of a bathtub. And there's like a girl <laughs> at the party, a troll girl that's in the bathtub yeah. with it all that they're all drinking it out. Yeah. It's very fucking weird and yeah. debaucherous in a way. but claire's then has to keep her friends out because she's like oh you know her oh my one friend has got you know ten thousand followers on on twitter or whatever and she'll tell everybody and then the world will find out about the trolls i can't let them in here and so that ends up ends up getting resolved that they think that claire's cheating on jim with a college age boy yeah and (laughs) And they're like super excited for yeah and so then they leave (laughs) 
But then the whole time, uh, Jim and Toby throughout that episode are like trying to figure out how to take um, Strickler's ring. Yeah. And then um, uh, Blinky comes up with this idea that uh, oh, there's some there's some I can't remember what the thing was called. Yeah. But it, it's uh, the Kairosect. Yes. And it's able to stop time. And don't they have to go back to Gatto's that, Keep again? That, yeah, they have to go back to Gatto's <laughs> yeah. Keep. They have to get re shit out his ass. <laughs> Get and Toby brings gyre. an even bigger, spicier yeah. burrito. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's They keep it shorter. They keep it yeah. way shorter. But also it's like, and this is where one of my gripes about these Netflix animated shows come in. Because my kids watch a lot of them, so therefore I'm subjected to a lot of them also. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I think one of the ways that they save money and reduce the budget on these things is that they use the same character maps over and over again. And so you'll see the same set pieces get visited over and over because it's less that they have to program from right. scratch. Yep. And, you know, so that's probably why we went and saw Gato again. And they rushed through it so much that it's like, it's, you're glad that you rushed through it. But at the end, it's like, I wish you wouldn't have gone there at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's just silly. And like Jim shows up with a really dorky joke, like, I've got a riddle for you. Yeah. You know, what kind of cheese is not cheese at all? And he's like, what kind nacho of cheese? cheese yeah. or something like that. It's like, it's, it's like nacho cheese and it's nacho day either. Yeah. And they come running forward like a two by four that they stuff in his mouth so they can go running in and use the shadow staff to suddenly appear. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause Jim had shown up by himself at yeah. first. Yeah. It was, it was silly. Yeah. It was fucking silly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and all that is, is just a quick plot device just to get their hands on this Cairo set, yeah. which basically can only be used three times. Yeah, be but by, by what? Just like a group of people like or something like that? Because Blinky uses it twice. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then Jim's like, what the that's hell? Right. It can only, you, you use two of our tries. And, show, and Blinky's like, well, just use it correctly the and, third time. And so what the Kyrosec does is it stops time, all time. Yeah. And only the person that activated but it. But for only a set amount of time, like two yeah, hours yeah, or something It was like, like 41 minutes. Oh, okay. I think it was 40. Yeah, it's not very long. Or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And so his their plan is, you know, stop time, get the ring while Strickler has no idea what's going on and get back. Uh-huh. And I don't think I don't think that happens in that episode. Uh well, what happens is um so Jim's got this and stuff is really hectic. There's a lot of stuff going on. Like he's missing out on one of the contests. Um he he overslept and he showed up late to a Spanish final. Yeah. And so like he didn't get this test finished and the teacher was just kind of laughing at him, knowing that, oh, you just totally failed this. Yeah. He doesn't like Jim. Yeah. Their 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 Spanish teacher who sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah. And um and then as they're like talking about all this and it's really hectic, Claire kind of steps out in front of a bus. And she's about to get hit by a car, and Jim finally says, fuck it. They have no idea where Strickler is or anything, but he hits the button on the on the uh, the Kyrosec. And so he's got a very quick amount of time. Oh, and also, um, Blinky's still in human form yeah, <laughs> throughout yeah. all of this. Yep. And he's on a lunch date with, with Jim's with Barbara. mom, Barbara, because Barbara wanted to talk about why, you know, because she knows that there's something going on with Jim, but Jim hasn't told her what's and they, up. And they tell her that Blinky is a new counselor, guidance counselor. At the school, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's funny, the first time she meets him, like, she, like, goes into self-defense mode and attacks him because, he, He's like, just in her house. He's just in her house, and, like, he had used a bathroom 
with indoor plumbing for the first time in his life. And he was talking about how great it was. And he walks down the stairs and she's like, oh, hello. And she's like, who are you and why are you in my house? I know Krav Maga or something yeah. like that. And like she attacks his eye. She like pokes him in the eye. And he's like, he's like, my eyes, my two vulnerable eyes. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he's used to having six yeah. eyeballs. <laughs> Yeah, you can at least close three of them. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, stop it, you violent woman! <laughs> it's Kelsey Grammer. Uh, I can't say enough how good Kelsey Grammer did voicing Blake. Yeah, like, oh, he just made that character so awesome. But um, yeah, he had been having lunch with Barbara, and he started to turn back into his troll form. And so he went and ran into a bathroom, and of course Barbara's following him, and he gets fully turned into his troll form in the bathroom stall, and she kicks the door open. And sees him in his troll form and starts to scream, well, that's right when time stops. Yeah. And he had, he had been in the bathroom furiously calling Jim's cell saying, you know, come rescue me. Yeah. <laughs> Your mother's about to find out. And so Jim's got all the shit on his plate in a ticking clock. Yeah, he's 42 minutes. Yeah. And he's got he's got a contest that he has to you know, at least keep Steve from winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got a Spanish test that he has to take. He uh-huh. has to get the ring from Strickler. He has to save Blinky from getting turned to stone from uh-huh. being in the sun and get him out of the bathroom. Yep. And he's got to drag Claire out of the way so she doesn't get hit it, by the get bus. Get hit by the bus. Yeah. Which it, was the first thing. Yeah. And as it's going along, he's realizing all these things. And so he's like, shit. And he keeps checking his clock. Still got time. He's like, still got time. Still got time. So he goes and finishes the test and then puts the pencil like, the pen, the teacher had been like bouncing the eraser side of the pencil off his forehead when time stopped. And so he flipped it around so the teacher would poke himself yeah. in the head. Yeah. And then he went by the, the challenge for the spring fling was stacking books. And uh, some of Steve's <laughs> friends were about to knock Eli's pile over. And so Steve uh, repositioned them. So that the the kid that was about to knock over Eli's stack instead knocks, knocks over, over Steve's. Steve's and he puts and the other, other dude's yeah. hand on Steve's ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, um, okay, he goes and saves Blinky. He has to cover him in a sheet to take him out in the sun. And he yeah. drags him all the way to fucking Troll Market, like, sets him up next to Ark. There's no way that all this gets done. In no, no, minutes. no. There's a big suspension yeah. of disbelief here. Yep. And uh, he drags his mom from the bathroom back out to the table and then also brings her a, a fresh cup tea. of tea. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so then when uh, he, he has to check Strickler's, before he leaves the school, he checks Strickler's um, Black book. office. And, yeah, looks in his appointment book and sees these at the dentist. So he goes to the dentist, takes the ring, oh, yeah. hawks a loogie yeah, in yeah. Strickler's open mouth, yeah. which is so oh, gross. Oh, yeah, that's gross. And then when he puts the ring on, he can see through Angorat's eyes, and he realizes where he's at. Mm-hmm. And not only is he sitting there, when he froze, he was looking at, at that triumbic stone. stone. Was it the kill stone? It was the kill stone yeah. that they were after. Yeah, yep. each stone's got a different name. This yeah. One's, yeah. The first one was Gunmar's birthstone. This one is the kill stone. And then the last one is the eye of Gunmar. Yeah. Uh, and so Jim looks at his clock and he's only got like nine minutes yeah. left and he's like, Oh my God, I can do it. And so he jumps on his Vespa and he's running it through the sewers. He finds angle rot. He grabs the stone. He goes to jump on the Vespa. The, the alarm goes off. He's out yeah. of time. And the yeah, Vespa's he not. a drop of water start to move. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And the stone is, or the, the, the moped is not starting. Angle rot comes to realizes not only that Jim is there and has taken the stone, but, but he has he's the wearing ring. the yeah. ring. And so Angorat goes into fury. Jim, you know, pulls on his armor. Angorat takes the sword from him. He's chasing Jim in this mad scramble. Jim loses the ring somehow. And Angorat takes a swing at him and destroys the ring. Yeah. And his soul kind of floats up 
and then just disappears. And I'm pretty sure at the beginning of this episode, it showed his backstory from how he became the way he is. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I'm pretty sure it was in this episode, but it shows him like on a raft and he goes to some island and he's saying that Gunmar's War has made its way to my village and I need a way to protect my village. Um, and he's like making a bargain with some like sorceress or he something. Sells his soul, basically. He doesn't realize that though. Yeah. Like he like takes a knife and he cuts off some of his own. And he goes, here, I give you an offering, some of my own living stone. And she takes it and then she crafts that into the ring. And then she puts the ring on her finger and then it draws Angorath's soul out of his body into the ring. And all of a sudden he feels this huge emptiness inside him. And he's like, what have you done? And she's like, do you think I just wanted a piece of your, of your skin? Yeah. She's like, I'm, I have your soul now and you are mine to command and you will go out and you will spend the rest of your days killing the troll hunters for me. And, and he's and so also he's, trying to fill that void with other souls. Yeah. And, and so his backstory really is kind of tragic, but he's been living this way for so long that now he's just fucking absolutely twisted and yeah. evil. And then at the end of this episode, you see him destroy his own soul. And so now not only is he free, but now he really, he blames Jim for this. Yeah. So he really hates Strickler and nobody he, controls him and nobody controls him. And actually the way this episode, cuts is strickler coming to and he's out and like i'm pretty sure he makes some gross face like what yeah. is that gross taste yeah. in my mouth which is <laughs> <laughs> oh man but he goes and gets into his car and he's kind of like looking in his rearview mirror and you see angle rot come around a corner and he sees he doesn't have the ring yeah and he's like panicking and then he sees angle rot in the rearview mirror and angle rot's just like mad rushes his car like just like viciously like, yeah. like it's creepy. Yeah. The, how fast it's, it's almost like reminiscent away. The zombies moved in 28 days. Yeah. 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 Or yeah. was that 20, something like that. Yeah, Not the Sandra Bullock movie, but the zombie movie. Right. <laughs> 28 days later. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there was a later in zombie <laughs> zombie world. Was oh, it? Or? And like, as a little world aside real quick, what, was, that was the first zombie movie. I think I ever saw where zombies moved fast. Yeah. That was fucking creepy. Yeah, that's the worst kind of zombie, if you ask me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> and so anyway, that episode comes to a close. And then this is this is where the really awesome Arg and Blinky relation or Arg and um Toby relationship starts to come together. Cause now that Angorod is free. They're really worried. They don't know where he's going to strike. Angorot has been studying their movements. He knows all this stuff. And so they tell Toby that, you know, hey, Arg's going to come live with you to protect you. And um, Toby's like, well, why don't we play? They're hanging out in Toby's room. And he's like, well, why don't we play some video games? Mm-hmm. And so he puts in this game that's like a super violent game. Yeah, Call of Duty or something like that. Yeah. And, um, and the whole time Toby's just like, kill, kill them all. Yeah. Them and all. like, I'm trying to th- think. Um, there was, we must have missed that earlier. There was an episode earlier where they find out that Arg's backstory was that he was once like a general in Gunmar's army. Yeah. And there's like drawings in the history books of Arg like eating people. Yes. And like they're Toby and Jim are kind of looking at Arg like, what the fuck? And and Arg's like looking really sad. You can tell he's very ashamed about this part of his past. And he goes, They all ran and said, Arg. Yeah. And it's like, dude, is that where you took your name from? <laughs> because you find out that when when Arg was a baby, he was stolen by Gum Gums and he was trained to be this killer. And like he was like among the strongest in Gunmar's army. 
But then when he saw all these people dying and all the destruction and stuff in that battle, he turned sides. And it was him turning sides that allowed – it was part of the victory of them beating Gunmar. Yeah. And so Arg is really hated in the Shadowlands like, or oh, in yeah. the Darklands. They know who he is. They know he's a traitor. They fucking hate him. And, and they know he's strong. Yeah, yeah, very strong. And so that's why he took this vow of pa- to be a pacifist because he he fucking straight up murdered and ate people and yeah. he feels bad about it and so he doesn't want to do this shit anymore. And when Toby's playing this really violent game and he's just watching Toby like go fucking dead eye, shark eye, be like kill, kill, must kill them all, you know, playing some first person shooter game. Arg fucking lights up. So like all these marks that you've been seeing on his body, they're just kind of cool looking. They glow green. Yep. And his eyes. And his eyes glow black over like a shark. And like he rages out and he punches the controller and just smashes it into a million pieces. And then he kind of calms down and then his eyes go back to normal and he covers his face and he's like freaking out and he's like pacifist, pacifist. And then Toby kind of makes the connection of what was going on. He's like, hey, man, it's cool. We all get mad sometimes. Why don't we play this other fun game? And he puts in a game called Go Go Sushi. Yeah. Where they're like taking orders at a restaurant or something. Yeah, and then Argon. Serving sushi and yeah. asking for tips. And wow. so then the next scene is Argon, his big giant hands and using one finger to move a joystick. He's <laughs> yeah. like got this big smile on his face. And like, you know, Toby's like, come on, you got to get it, wingman. Yeah. And, uh, and Argon's like, wingman. And Toby's like, yeah, you know, you're my friend, my compadre, my wingman. <laughs> and so then throughout the whole rest of of the the season that's what they refer to each other as is wingman yep and it's just this really really excellent bonding moment but then right away in the next episode it starts out and a type of troll shows up that we haven't really seen before and but we have they are arg's people and they show up in troll market and they come from the deepest darkest caves and um the deep caverns or yeah I, i can't remember what his species was called yeah but um, they, they show up and the queen basically says – and this whole time you're seeing that Arg, he's been withdrawn with ev- from with – he's been withdrawn from everybody. And you come to find out that he got cut by that knife that had the sun creeper poison. And it didn't full on stab him, but he's very slowly turning to stone. Yeah, and hasn't told anybody. He hasn't told anybody. And like it's, it's starting to fuck up his arm. And so his one hand he keeps wrapped up in badge- bandages so nobody can see it. And then um, the queen shows up and she says, she tells Vendel, you know, we can tell when the light in one of our own is diminishing. We know that, that Arg is dying and, and we've come. Arg had gone to Vendel, so Vendel knew. Yeah, Vendel knew. But he told Vendel not to tell anybody. And Vendel kept telling him, you need to tell your friends. And Arg's like, no, you know, this fight with Gunmar is more important. I don't want to make him worry. Yeah. But Vendel told him also, you are going to die. If you don't tell him, one day they're going to come looking for you and they're just going to find you turned to stone. Mm. And um, so this queen shows up and um, she tells Vendel that we're taking him. And Vendel says, well, how about we make a deal? We're going to play this game. Do you remember what the game was called? Oh, no. (laughs) Some version of soccer basketball thing. Something like that. Yeah. And um, so he's like, well, let's play this game. It'll be Arg and Jim versus your two best warriors. And if you win, Arg goes with you. If we win, Arg gets, Arg to, gets choose. to choose himself. And so Arg takes off running because he realizes that he's put into this position where they're going to find out. And Toby goes and kind of tells him that, you know, has a talk with him. And they have like kind of a heart to heart. And Toby kind of like makes the analogy of how he lives with his grandma saying that, you know, 
your family are the people that love you. And, you know, when my mom and dad died, uh, Nana took me in and, you know, she's half blind. Gets on his nerves. But yeah. And, and she smells like cats. Yeah. <laughs> but she's his family. And, you know, ultimately, even when he does get upset with her, he needs to realize that, <clears throat> you know, everything will be okay. And so Drawl had been filling in for Jim. Jim had been doing horribly in this game because the game was not meant for humans. And he couldn't even start off with his armor. Yeah, you have to earn it. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, they're down like big time. Like They the, played a five and they're down four to one or something. Yeah, yeah. And so then Arg comes back. Uh, Drawl gets hit bad enough to where he's totally out of it. And uh, uh, Arg comes back in and they squeak out a win. Yep. You know, and it, and and so then it, he tells everyone what's going on, and then he says, "Okay, I'm gonna go." And they're like, "Well, we'll come visit." And Blinky tells him, "You know, you can't only uh, the crew Barra. That's what they were called. Yeah, he said only the crew Barra can exist in the deepest ca- caverns." And so they're like, "Okay, well, we're we're gonna be happy just knowing that you're alive." Toby starts crying and runs off. And he's at home and he's upset. And then his Nana yells, you know, hey, I got supper ready. And he's like, I'm never going to eat again. <laughs> and she's like, well, you're being very rude to our our foreign exchange student. And he's like, what? Yeah. And he goes running down there and Arg's there. And he's like, Arg. And he gives him a big hug. And Arg says, Krubera, not family. You are my family. Yeah. And he's like, and then Toby's like, well, you know, as soon as this business was Gunmar's over, I'm going to take you down to those caverns myself. And it's kind of like, really? Yeah. Really? I mean, so right now it's, you just, you know, you're, we've been worried about Arg this whole time. And it's like, you got this triumphant moment where it's like, okay, everybody knows now and he is going to stick around, but there's still this awful fate hanging over his head. Yeah. You, could just, you know, you don't know how long of it, his life's on a ticking clock. Months, I think is how Vendel. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Some, yeah. And, um, and so then Jim even kind of notices that from across the street like he's he's looking out he's like taking the trash outside and he looks across the street and he sees them up in toby's room playing video games and he smiles he's like oh sweet our game back mm-hmm. and he hears a rustling in the bushes and he turns around and it's strickler yeah strickler comes out and he's like if you want to save your mother's life you have to protect me <laughs> you know anger rod is trying to kill me and um so jim kind of takes him under his protection and um uh they send uh, Noam Ch- or they had sent Noam Chomsky through the fetch to go to the Darklands to look for not Enrique, and he finally comes no, to back. find Enrique. Yeah, to find Enrique, and um, and so he eventually comes back, and he can't talk with him and tell him what he saw, and so like he's trying to like pantomime it out, and so this whole time Jim and Strickler are pretty much on their own, and everyone else is trying to figure out uh, Noam Chomsky's message, and then he comes to find out that um. Uh, Gunmar knows that Jim killed his son and not only is he going to kill him, but he's going to kill everyone he loves. And it goes right back to that, like Tony Stark age of Ultron esque dream that Jim had had where all of his, uh, everyone he loved was dead yeah. and you know, Gunmar was now coming after him. So now this is really in Jim's mind and he's really worried about his friends. And, um, uh, he's able to barter with, with Strickler and say, you know, I'm going to protect you, but you've got to get the spell removed and then um, they set up a trap in the house to try and they they realize that if they just stay in the house, they can control where the battle will take place. And so they set up very Home Alone style, a lot of freaking booby traps. Yep, yep. And, um, and it's supposed to be on a night where Jim's mom's working. And of course, her schedule is wrong. So she comes home right in the middle of it. She yeah. fucks everything up. 
Um, and he tells her to run. And so she, she at least listens and runs and, but she's listening to this battle raging between she runs to the basement. She runs to the basement and uh draw got knocked out accidentally by one of the booby traps when Barbara came in. So he's not even able to help him with the fight. And it's just, um, Jim and Strickler trying to fight Angor Rot. But basically, they get him lured into an upstairs bedroom, and they get him to step into a stasis trap. Yeah. Just like the way he trapped Jim earlier. And then they flip on UV lamps. And it's um, it's very much like that scene in Blade, where they're roasting Pearl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the big fat blob vampire. And so Angor's just slowly getting turned to stone. Barbara was like, all of a sudden she's like, I got to defend my son. And she grabs a shovel from the basement and goes, comes running into the room and hits Angor Rot and knocks him out of the stasis Freeze trap. Him. Yeah. And so now all hell's broken loose. Um, Angor Rot gets a strike in on Strickler, which also then cuts Barbara. And so they have to jump in Strickler's car. Yeah. And there's this mad dash to get away from Angor Rot as he's, I mean, it's a really cool car chase scene yeah. where, you know, Angorot's running after him. He's holding on to the car and stuff. And, like, they just barely make it through the gateway into Troll Market. And they're also bringing a changeling into Troll Market, which is a no-no. Yeah, but. which uh, the other trolls hate him because yeah. he was trying to bring Gunmar back, which would have killed all of them. And but it's so, the only way to save Barbara. Yeah, exactly. And so Vendel and... and um, Vendel's able to use magic to somehow separate the two. Yeah. But he tells Barbara, and at this point, you know, Jim has had to come clean with his mom and tell her everything. And she's like, I wish you'd have told me earlier. And he's like, I didn't want to make you worry. And so Vendel's like, well, I can do this cure, but it's going to wipe your memory for like the last, you know, Basically 36 back hours. To when or, the binding spell took place. Something like that. Yeah. And so, and she makes Jim promise that, you know, when I wake up from this and I don't know everything, you have to tell me. I do not want to go back to the way where we are keeping secrets from each other. I didn't like that. And Jim's like, okay, I promise. And when she wakes up at home, he promptly ignores that promise. Yeah. And leaves his mom in the dark once again. And then uh, there's the night of the spring fling is going on. And um, let's see, they have to go to Strickler's office. They're, they're looking for that stone, Right. The there was a reason that they went to Strickler's office. They were looking for something, but I don't remember what it was. They had to. What was it? I just watched this one last night. <laughs> I should remember. <laughs> I should remember. Uh, they needed the book for the enchantment to break the spell. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So they have to go to Strickler's office to get the spell book, and then Vendel will be able to use that book to break the spell. Yeah. Okay. And so while they're there. Um, Angerot finds him, and while he's fighting Claire and Toby, they um, he gets this um, the key, to the key to the the key. It's yeah, what the hell was the that keystone? Okay, yeah, whatever that thing was called. He he gets one of those, and so now they're like, okay, Angerot can come into Troll Market at any time because now he's got this talisman where he can you know draw a door and he can just walk in. Yeah, and so they've got Troll Market now ready. Like they've got their defenses set up. They're waiting for Angorot. And this is what goes into the, um, the, the season finale is this big showdown in troll market with Angorot coming in and he shows up and he's got dozens of these golem totems. Yeah. And he's just tossing them off into like the big 
off the edge of the cliff that's at the and edge the there. The troll market is full of gemstones everywhere. Yeah, yeah. These glowing gemstones are everywhere. And yeah. so these golems are made. There's like pink and purple and blue ones. Yeah. And they're just made of these. And there's like dozens of them. And so all at the same time, they're fighting all these golems. And Angorot's trying to make his way through. He just wants to kill Jim. Like, yeah. he just wants destruction. He, he doesn't give a fuck about opening Killahead Bridge or any of that stuff. He purely wants revenge. Right. And when this was all going on, he was trying to spy on them. And one of the things that Angorot could do is he could take his eyeball out and, like, it would go rolling after people and then spy on things for him. And they caught his eyeball earlier. And Jim actually carved it down into a stone and dropped it into the amulet. And so now that enchantment doesn't work anymore. So when daylight is Jim's the command, it's actually daylight for Jim's the command, even against Angor Rot. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's opened up a couple other things in the, in the, um, but he's put some more stones in, like he's got a shield now also. So yeah, he's got like the, the, the boomerang stone, things. He's got a shield that he can use and, uh, and he's fighting. Yeah, and then he's got daylight also. And so now Angorot can't steal his sword from him anymore, and Jim's got all these other tools at his disposal that he can use uh, in this fight against him. And eventually, Jim takes off running. Or actually, man, I don't even know if I want to say. There's one thing that happens here in the end that I've I've spoiled a lot of shit in this, but there's one thing that happens in that last battle that I don't, I'm not going to spoil for you. Um, Suffice to say, this last battle, when you get to episode 26 and you watch this, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's awesome on a lot of different levels, and I just want to leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's some great emotional stuff that happens in it, too, and I don't want to rob you of that. (laughs) (laughs) After all the... As detailed as we could get. (laughs) But there's some good stuff. And so, anyway, Jim... You know, some shit goes down. Jim's like, I need to lure Angorot away. And so he takes off running to the Hero's Forge. And on his way in, he closes the gate behind him. So it's just him and Angorot in here. And he's holding his own pretty good fighting Angorot. But then Angorot really starts to beat the shit out of him. And you're thinking that Jim's going to die. And then his friends are just standing outside this, basically this portcullis that has been dropped. And they're like watching in horror as Jim's about to be killed by Angorot. And then Claire and Toby come up with a plan real quick. And as Angorot is standing over Jim, and I think he's got daylight in his hand maybe at this point. He's, he's going to kill Jim with something. Yeah, he's about. He's got his dagger in his hand that has the sun creeper poison on it too, which, you know, the sun creeper poison isn't going to do anything to Jim, but still you get stabbed by a dagger. Him. It's going to be bad. He's going to kill Jim. Yeah. <laughs> and then. Toby and Claire, Claire opens a portal because she's been using the shadow staff. She opens a portal above Angorot that Jim, or Toby comes flying through. With Warhammer. With Warhammer raised up above his head. And so Angorot looks up and while he's distracted, Jim kicks his elbow, which causes Angorot to stab himself in the chest with the dagger with the sun creeper poison. So he starts turning to stone. Toby comes down with Warhammer. And yeah, right at the point that the top of his head is turned to stone, the Warhammer hits it and it just, boom, reduces him to a pile of gravel. Yep. And so it was a cool fucking action set piece there. Yeah, awesome. That you see the way it all comes together. And um, and so they're all happy. And um, I think right before the battle had taken place, Jim let Strickler go to keep up his end of the bargain. Yeah. And Strickler gave him the last Triumbric Stone. And nobody knows that Jim has it. Yeah. And so Jim, while everybody is kind of celebrating the end of the battle, Jim goes into the Vendel's workshop and he grinds down the stone and he drops it into the amulet. And 
when he goes or he grinds the stone down, pockets it, and then he goes and he goes into the room where Killahead Bridge is at and he closes the door behind him and locks it. And then he pulls the amulet out and the bridge springs. It's all the pieces pull itself back together through the magic of the amulet. And then he drops the stone in and previously he was all silver and blue with his magic. And now that he's dropped the last triumvirate stone in, the amulet turns red and and the phrasing on the outside changes. And it's, it's for the doom of Gunmar eclipses mind to command. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when it shows the dark lands, there's no sun there. Yeah. Well, the sun is there, but there's a permanent eclipse in front of it. Yeah. And so now basically the amulet's telling him you are ready to go in and fuck up things in the Darklands. Yeah. Yeah. Like the and amulet's he's totally got the changed. black. Yeah. With the red, red highlights all yeah, over it. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. sick looking. Yeah. And so then the, the amulet kind of floats out of his hand. Or he puts the amulet in, the, 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 the gate opens up. And by this time, his friends are outside the door telling him to stop. And Jim's saying, no, I've got to go do this alone. I'm the troll hunter. But it's like, dude, you wouldn't have even beaten Angorot without your friends you'd be fucking dead 15 20 minutes ago yeah. and and now you're saying you're gonna go take on fucking gunmar all by yourself Another you're locking your Arrowverse, friends out uh, oh Yo, yeah totally you know. <laughs> totally yeah it's 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 tropey yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tropey but um and so of course they come in just in time to see him step through the portal and then when he comes out the other side, does that mean that the amulet stayed in Killahead Bridge? Well, I think so he's there without the amulet, meaning that he's just going to constantly be in the armor. Because what or, happened I didn't know was how the he fuck tried. That he, he didn't know what to do because he was going to put the amulet on his armor, but it wouldn't go on because he had that red. It was he, like a separate amulet almost. Something like that, yeah. And then and, he and, and the, it doesn't get answered at all. No, you're just left to just you know speculate on what the yeah. fuck could have happened. And he 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 goes in and. Everybody else stays behind. Yeah. And so then the basically the last shot of the series is him standing in the Darklands saying, you know, you know, basically making some proclamation that he's going to go kill Gunnar. Yeah. And, you know, he's on top of a cliff overlooking just a nightmare hell. landscape. Yeah. Yeah. With an eclipse looming in the sky above. Yeah. And it's it's very much looks like what the surface world looks like in the Matrix. Yeah. Very you know, accurate. Yeah, everything's fucked up looking, yep. like a blasted landscape. Yeah. But and, and that's how it ends up. And now now moving forward, you know, with, with their lead, you know, having tragically died, I I don't know what the future of the series is gonna be. Yeah. Yep. If if there's a future for the series, it would be interesting. But who knows what their plans are, especially Netflix, you never really get to know too far yeah i mean and they've until really... they actually say oh yeah it'll be this date yeah like did, did you ever have the misfortune of watching that puss in boots cartoon that's on netflix uh, i might have seen an episode <laughs> it was fucking awful yeah that was one that my kids was obsessed over and so i watched troll hunters and i'm like this is fucking awesome yeah and it's like Puss in Boots just recently got another new season. Because oh, I remember no. I got the notification on my phone and I was like, fuck. <laughs> was like, as soon as my wife notices that, she's going to show it to the boys. It's like, a, it's one of those th- times being a parent where you're like a little selfish. Yeah. You're like, well, they'd be really excited about this, but I don't want to fucking watch Puss in Boots. I wasn't about the one to tell it. But it's like, that's that gets greenlit. And that show's fucking awful. 
It's like, I really yeah. hope they do something with this. But um, while I was doing the research for this, one of the interesting things that I noticed is that the executive producers on this, there was six of them, one of them being Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. That, um, you know, he wrote the book that this was based on, but I've not read the book, but I did read a synopsis of it. And it is nothing like this show. I mean, the show is very loosely based off off the idea in this, but it was cool to see that he was an executive producer. Yeah. But the one that the I thought was best was Mark Guggenheim. Huh. Is a producer on this. And so, you know, if if you know Mark Guggenheim, it's if you like the CW shows, the the, the Arrowverse, that's Mark Guggenheim. And so this was one of his projects. And I, I thought that was pretty awesome that he was one of the executive yeah, I producers didn't, I on didn't it. See that. Yeah. <laughs> um and you know, it it got some pretty good clear, uh, critical acclaim. Um it was nominated for four Annie Awards in twenty seventeen. Um, and it won three in the categories of outstanding achievement and character animation, which I'd believe because the animation, this was really tight. Yeah. Uh, character design. Oh, totally. The way that they made, especially the, the gum gum trolls, the, those evil ones, they were fucking creepy. And, um, oh, what was the last one? And, uh, storyboarding in an animated television broadcast production. So, yeah, I, I didn't know it had done as well with, oh, Oh, shit. I just found some news. On February 9th, 2017, Netflix renewed the series for a second season of 13 episodes. Oh, cool. It, 13, was, it was 13. supposed to be two seasons, I bet. Uh, oh, we're learning on the go. You get you people get are getting the most up-to-date information <laughs> I can give you. <laughs> on the next season of Troll Hunters. That's how... That, why does it always end up that way? Because... Oh, it says it will be adopted adapted into a comic book by Mark Guggenheim and Richard Hamilton, too. Huh. Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jordan's going to love me. I'm going to make him fucking read that. <laughs> He's fucking making me read a million books a week. <laughs> like, I got one for you, fucker. <laughs> Why is it that on Netflix, they always start, because what was it? Justice League Unlimited was 26 episodes first season. Second season was only 13 episodes. I think those were originally probably Cartoon Network shows. Though. Yeah. And so that, you know, you know how fucking network TV goes. Yeah. And especially right. with, with that superhero stuff, that always comes down to fucking toy sales. Yeah. Because that that was what I had heard about Young Justice. That Young Justice was, of all those animated DC shows, I think Young Justice was probably the tightest. That's in, my favorite in, one. In terms of an engaging storyline. You're like, you're telling me this is a Saturday morning cartoon and they're tackling these themes of like betrayal. Uh, I mean, it is very like Dune-esque wheels within wheels plots yeah. in, in Justice, in uh, Young Justice. And they cancel that shit because of lagging toy sales. Like, ugh. Yeah. God, corporate America grosses me out fucking sometimes. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, I'm not going to be one of those assholes that says, down with corporations because <sighs> I wouldn't have this fucking laptop I'm recording on, these mics I'm talking into, right. this iPhone in my hand. I would not have this shit with the corporations, so I'm not an idiot. Yeah. But at the same time, I hate it when they make those fucking decisions yeah. like that it's goddamn annoying don't fuck with my entertainment yeah of all things <laughs> <laughs> it's all i got <laughs> fucking work 40 hours a week country's a fucking shithole around me but i can escape with comic books <laughs> cartoons i know when i'm, I'm 36 <laughs> 38 and i watch i've seen i don't know how many cartoons in the last year <laughs> But yeah, so we just spent about three hours breaking down a Netflix show that you probably haven't fucking watched. <laughs> <laughs> or most people anywhere. <laughs> but um, 
I, I recommend the show. I recommend anybody to watch this. I mean, and especially if you got kids and your kids have any sort of, you know, interest in like fantasy type cartoons and stuff like that. I mean, it does have some violent, you know, undertones in it and stuff like that. But really, I mean, it's rated like like TVY7 or, yeah. you know, whatever. I don't Nothing know. Nothing gory. Goofy things. Yeah, it doesn't have anything over the top. Leaves a little bit to the imagination. Just some of it leads you to darker places. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was, that was our little review on troll hunters there. But, um, uh, I did get the first email to the show. Um, and so let me pull that up. All right. And this is from listener Joe Vitale. And also Joe has the distinction here of being the first email to the start cast. And so I think that was the last episode. I, I got real. And I was like, come on, email me. <laughs> and you know what? Joe Vitale steps up to the plate and he hits a home run. <laughs> so Joe says, loved the episode with my man, David Isaac. Hell yeah, man. Who doesn't love David Isaac? <laughs> uh, in listening to your conversation about religion, I'm reminded of a story from when I was at my niece's Catholic confirmation. When you are inside the church, everyone preaches love, tolerance, and friendship. However, when we left and tried to get out of the parking lot with probably 500 cars we're trying to exit, you would think one motherfucking God-fearing Christian would be nice person and open up a space and let us merge in front of them. Hell freaking no. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's an analogy for a lot of people. Those who go to church on Sunday so they can rationalize being good for an hour or two during mass only to revert to the jackasses that they are the 166 hours of the week. Sorry, broad generalization, but it's true in some cases. In any event, love the discussion on this topic and others. Keep it up, Joe Vitale. Um, yeah, man, that is... It is one of those things where, you know, it's it's not good to generalize. And, you know, kind of like how David and I, I think, reiterated in that episode, that by no means were we bashing on, on organized religion. And I don't think with your email, you're, you were bashing either. Um, I'm sure anybody could have stories to talk about, especially if you weren't the type that regularly goes to church. Like I've gone to church with lots of friends and it's I've 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 ran the gamut between having an excellent time and being extremely welcomed and, you know, feeling like these people were genuinely glad to see a new person, you know, come into their church and, and, you know, spend a Sunday morning or Saturday evening or whatever. And, you know, in a little bit of time of worship. And I've had other times where I've gone in and it felt like that moment, that cliche moment in a TV show where someone walks into the room and there's a party going on and the, the needle scratches across the record and you feel like everybody's looking at you and judging you with the same thought of what are you doing here? And you know, that's, that's not a fun feeling. And, and I definitely get what you're saying by, you know, you're going to be in there and you're going to preach love and, and connection and, and consideration of others. And then as soon as you get in the parking lot, you can't even think of others enough to say, Oh, I've seen this person sitting here waiting to get out since I was stacked clear back here, but now it's my turn to go, so fuck them. And you get enough people in a row saying that, and you start to really lose faith in humanity. In traffic, let alone leaving a place where everyone just got done preaching togetherness. But um, I think that religion is lost in traffic a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely right. <laughs> 
Um, it really put me in mind of this one time when I was in high school. Well, I was just out of high school and, um, <clears throat> there was a, a, a youth center in, in the town that I grew up in and the, the sign outside was called the rock. So it was R, you know, dot O dot C dot K dot. And I drive by it all the time and, and I can't help it. I have a dark sense of humor and I'm fucking cynical and so I don't know what it stood for, but I, I knew the group of kids that went up there and they were all like the fucking goody two shoe kids and stuff. And in, in high school, I was not a goody two shoes kid. I, I, I hung out with the party kids when I was in high school because I, I wasn't into playing sports. And so I wasn't going to hang out with the jocks. I wasn't into fucking, you know, drinking beer and stuff on the weekends. And so I didn't hang out with the people who exclusively drank beer, but you know, the, the group that fucking smoked pot and skateboarded and shit like that, they were really easy to hang out with. And, and I had a lot of fun hanging out with them. And as a result, we being in a small town, we got labeled with that, that, you know, Oh, those are, those are the bad kids. And it's like, yeah, because going out and getting so fucking drunk on the weekends that you're showing up to school Monday with a fucking red eyeball because you were puking so hard. But yeah, I'm the bad guy because I drove around listening to Allison Chains on a gravel road and smoked a dube. Right. Yeah. Fucking persecute me. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, I, I but I carried that reputation. That's and and it was something that my mom always got on me about. And she always said she her favorite phrase to preach to me was guilt by association. And it's like, yeah, but. You know, these are the people I hang out with. I'm I'm in a small town. I have a very limited amount of people to pull from. I'm not going to hang out with people that are total fucking assholes. And I'm going to hang out with my friends. And if they're doing something that's a really fucked up decision, I'm smart enough. You raised me well enough to know that I'm going to fucking walk away when something's going on that makes me uncomfortable. But mom was right. I did get that guilt by association stigma that ran rampant through that small town to where when I graduated high school, I left that town and I moved out and I didn't like going back. I'd go back to Center Point and I would feel uncomfortable. The town made me feel uncomfortable. And now I'm, now what's funny is that I open and roll my kids there. I fucking drive <laughs> extra distance to go take them to the school that I purportedly fucking hated for 13 years of my life. But I will admit that it's a fantastic school system. And so I want my kids to go there. But, um, uh, yeah, I walk into this place then. <laughs> and so this goes back to me being a cynical asshole. I didn't know what that sign really stood for, but the rock, I was like, yeah, that's probably really annoying. Or what it would be really obnoxious Christian kids <laughs> is what I called it. <laughs> and so, but anyway, I was, you know, I think it was my first or second year out of high school. And I was dating a girl that, that I had met when I was a senior in I don't know. She was an underclassman. So, you know, I was out of school, but she was still in school and she knew these kids. And so she's like, oh, you got to come and hang out at the youth center with us. It's so much fun. And I walk in and it was not fun for me. It was every time I turned around, someone was giving me the fucking stink eye and and I didn't like it. And they had pictures of Jesus everywhere. And they're, you know, purportedly be like, oh, this is a place of fellowship. It's like, well, thank you for making somebody, you know, feel like they belong when, you know, yeah, I knew I didn't belong there. But if you're going to say that this is an all-inclusive place, maybe you could at least try and act a little Christian. But And, you know, even having gone through experiences like that, I'm, I don't make a generalization and say that applies to all Christians. Because if I can make a distinction, you know, between like the type of Christian that like say my grandmother is – and, you know, other friends I have that I can tell they have a really strong faith and it comes from a good place. And then I can make a distinction between them and someone who uses 
religion to like burn a cross like the KKK or say, you know, that sort of shit, then, you know, I don't do a generalization, but I can definitely, it does feel like there can be themes like that. Have you ever had anything like that happen? Oh. Or just, you know. I was, I was raised, I go to church on Sunday morning and then we'd have church groups on Wednesday night youth group or we had a boy scouts thing and once i got to high school i don't know you'd hear your here it just seemed like there's a lot of gossip that would go around in the church and for me it's kind of like you know for my mom will say well for christmas will you come to church with us and uh, so i'll get the family dressed up and we'll go to church and and so I feel like I go back and I used to be one of the really annoying or what did you say rock stood for? I was one of those <laughs> really, an, really obnoxious Christian. Yeah. Kids. <laughs> and now I go back and I get the look, the judging looks because of how life has turned out and decisions and choices that I've made that obviously everybody in the church knows and talks, talked about at some point in time. So when I go back, and I, I, I send, I get those looks when I go back. Now I send my daughters with my mom to church on Sunday mornings and I send them to youth group. My thoughts on that are, that's a choice that they get to make. Uh, <clears throat> I don't really discuss it with them a whole lot with my kids, but if they can be educated enough to make their own decision on what they believe, then maybe, maybe I'm pushing them in a direction. Cause that's the only church that I know my mom goes there. So I send them, but I also don't want to cheat them out of that. What my beliefs are or not somebody that does have beliefs can bring comfort to them sometime. And so if that's something that can bring comfort to my kids, then I want them to be able to choose that for themselves. So I, I send them to church to be educated on at least uh, a a level of spirituality. And I can already see that the way it's forming with my eldest, she's 15 and she's starting to choose one way or the other. And my youngest is seven and, she kind of just blindly follows a little bit and, but at the same time, who knows if what I'm doing is right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Some people might have a problem with me, send them to church when I don't believe really. So, but it's just, I don't want to make those, all those choices. Yeah. No, I get where you're coming from with that. That makes sense. And yeah. Yeah, no, I, it is one of those things. I don't know. It's, faith is a heavy topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, two two uh, episodes in a row. Yeah. <laughs> and I also want to point out, it kind of sounded like Joe's email was just another rant about traffic. Yeah, yeah probably more or less. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, you know, I, I, he, you know, he kind of spelled it out right in there too. That he's like, I'm not saying this about everybody, but this is yeah, what happened. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was a great email, Joe. Thank you very yes. much. And um, uh, is, is there anything else you want to wrap up about? Wrap about or? I don't know. Nothing specifically. 
<laughs> okay, well, um, uh, if you, let's see, what do we got here? Um, if you like what you heard on the show today, uh, hop on iTunes and give me a review. And, you know, whether it's a good review, bad review, um, you know, just let me know. You can put a little paragraph in there, whatever. Tell me what you think. Give me, you know, one one star through five star rating, whatever. If you liked it, give me five stars. If I thought it was shit, give me one star. But, um, you know, give, give me a reason. Give me a reason what you thought. <laughs> Don't hold me against Joe. <laughs> Uh, uh, if you want to learn more about any of the stuff we talked about today, and, uh, this would be a good one. I'll be able to post a lot of stuff in relation to, um, uh, to troll hunters. Um, and I'll put that up on the, the Starkcast Facebook page. You can find that at Starkcast. That's all one word. S-T-A-R-K-C-A-S-T. Um, or you can email me. Um, that would be starkcastpod at gmail.com. And, uh, <clears throat> Okay, so recently on an episode, I talked about how I only use Facebook. And then almost immediately after that, my friend Jordan from the Supercast, that fucker, gives me a bunch of shit about how Twitter's awesome and I should really be on Twitter. And so for some reason, I fucking listened to him. And so now I'm on Twitter again. You tool. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, I'm on Twitter. So if, if you like to tweet, you can tweet me. I'm on Twitter. And that'd be at the tubby ninja. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll tweet back at you, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, uh, thanks again, Dub. I'm really glad you wanted to talk thanks about this. Me. And uh, once again, this was a very timely episode, being that you know, like news of this first came out in October. It was officially released in December, and here we are, uh, mid March, and we're talking about it. So coming to you with the freshest reviews at Stark. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do Iron Fist in a year. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I have to start that one pretty soon. It just came out. Yeah. Um, But uh, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, this has been StarkCast.